Today's Tuesday, July 7th, 2020, and this week on the Birdland BS Podcast. Patrick Mahomes, the highest paid athlete in sports history. How does this impact Lamar's future with the Ravens? More players decide not to play in this year's pandemic version of a baseball season. Caleb Williams picks Oklahoma, but was anyone really surprised? And will Dan Snyder finally make the call to change the Redskins team name? Stay tuned. So let's take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred Scott and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Sports, they got it. When excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. Show. Let's get ready to show. Show. This house. What the hell was that? <laughs> what are you, a realtor now? What's a, going on? A, you know, my mind wanted to do something different because I do the same thing every time that I completely forgot what the hell I was saying. This is why we don't do things different. Yeah, right. I know. Come right. on. Stick to the script. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Fred, Scott, Brian, is James all in the house for episode 154 of the Birdland BS podcast. We got a lot to talk about on this show. Uh, some really big news dropped yesterday as a yeah. uh, a certain Pat Mahomes is not going to be hurting for that cake anymore. Uh, what, upwards of half a billion? Uh, yeah, could be upwards of half a billion. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and potentially how that affects Lamar and his contract with the Ravens uh, moving forward. And then with baseball, I know we've been talking about this 60-game season and MLB kind of forcing their hand with uh, having a season. Well, players are dropping like flies, either because they're being infected by the virus or they just don't want to play. Uh, so who knows? Does this season happen? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Uh, a former Oriole had his way in that he's he's out for this year, so we're going to talk about that. I'm excited to kind of get your take on that because we haven't really talked about that. So Right. The 2020 Slash 2021 quarterback class for the Terps became a little bit more clear over the weekend. A uh, guy that we had some high hopes for, maybe not high expectations, but high hopes. Caleb that Williams he's be a Terp. He uh sooner. He is sooner. Boomer sooner. <laughs> Didn't happen, but I don't think any of us truly expected it to happen. No, but I mean you can hope and pray. I was hoping to go streaking around Ryan's neighborhood because that's what I committed <laughs> to. I said I was going to do it. Thank God nobody had to see that. Yeah, thank God for all of us. <laughs> And uh, Dan Snyder, is he finally going to get rid of this name? I mean, I know there's people on both sides of the fence with this thing about whether they should change the name or not. This isn't the first time it's been brought up. I was going to say, it's been a discussion for a while that, that, That's my biggest problem with this, and we'll talk about that once we get into the rundown. So like I said, we got a lot to cover on the show, but before we do, I want to remind you, if you've ever been injured at work or in an auto accident and weren't sure who to call, 855-MD-CRASH. The Maryland Personal Injury Attorneys that will have your back. If you find yourself in that unfortunate situation, and I know I have, give our team at MD Crash a call right away. We all know the cost of medical bills, lost wages, and pain and suffering can all add up quickly and potentially put you in a, fat, a bad financial place. If you want a team that will handle your case, big or small, and just give you that peace of mind, save this number now. 855-MD-CRASH. That's 855-632-7274. Be sure to follow them on Facebook for some fun giveaways, including gift cards to some nice restaurants. You're all out of sorts today because you almost just said fat financial situation. I know. 
They're just words. They, just <laughs> they don't go come, together in some just, way, shape, or form. They just don't come out right sometimes. Uh, All right, well, let's jump straight into the news that everybody is clamoring about because it has implications on Lamar, mm-hmm. and that is Pat Mahomes signing this 10-year extension. It's worth, what, 477 mil? Well, 477 mil is kind of the, the base bottom of the way that this contract is going to work. Right. So just to kind of put things in perspective on this, for people that don't know how this whole thing is structured, it's a 10-year extension on the remaining two years that he has on his contract. So in total, he's going to be with the Chiefs for the next 12 years, meaning right. by the time that this contract ends, he'll be 37 years old. So essentially his entire football career, bearing some big change or bearing some you know injury or maybe, you know, an opt-out clause, something like that, he's going to be a chief forever. Oh, yeah. This, this, this pretty much guarantees that. For and, sure. he's, and he's going to earn half a billion dollars to do so just in his contract alone. So the way that this thing is structured, as you said, the 10-year extension is $477 million, But there's a bunch of incentives in this uh, that could potentially put this north of $500 million, Yeah. Up to five hundred and three. Now, granted... I don't see 503 coming of this the way it's structured. So the way it's structured has a $1.2 million incentive for winning the AFC championship game. So every year he gets to the Super Bowl. Doesn't have to win it. Every year they get to the the Super Bowl, he gets another uh, $1.25 million. Every year that he wins the NFL MVP, he gets another $1.25 million. Right. So again, he'd have to win the AFC championship every year, and he'd have to win the MVP award every year to max out at 503 million. And I'd say he's got a little competition in both. Uh, yeah. I'd say he's got some competition with that. A lot of things. The, the thing that's just so mind boggling about this, this is a decade, like a decade. So much can change in the NFL in the blink of the eye. That's why you don't traditionally see these types no. of deals because it is so risky for a team to invest that kind of longevity and that kind of money into a player for that long because, I mean, you've got the injury factor. That's a given, right? Right, yeah. Uh, who, Which he, he covered that. Right, yes. So if you want to explain that, there is yeah, an injury I mean, clause in this. He's got an injury clause for $141.48 million that it's guaranteed to him if he gets injured. And on top of that, there's a no trade clause. Right. So good for I mean, him. He, he, to your point, he is a chief for life. No matter what happens, the man's going to get paid. I mean, right. even, even if you break this out, right, at 10 years – Let's say he gets injured next year, and yep. it's career-ending. Yep. The man walks away with $14 million a year for the next 10 years. $141.48 million he's going to have regardless. He could go out there at this contract, get hurt tomorrow. He's going to get paid at least $141 million. Right. That's equivalent to very close to what Joe Flacco made on his deal when he was here. Right. Right of the deal that everybody was all up in arms about, like and <laughs> this now is blown out of the water compared to all these contracts. Exactly, and we all said that we knew yeah. that that was what was going to happen. It was just the shell shock of the Flacco deal at the time because it put him in the top two or three quarterbacks in the league. It might have been even number one at the time. Yeah, uh, but we knew that just the way things work in the NFL and the way these contracts were going to come up, and you know the salary cap growing, that we were going to see well, this trend. And speaking of the salary cap, like that was one of the, the original discussions around this was that there was there was thoughts that this would be a contract that was set up based on the salary cap. It would be a percentage. Yeah. Of the salary cap. So uh, shout out to our boy uh, Chibs from Russell Street Report. Him and I actually were on the same page on Twitter, kind of going back and forth on this thing when the first. 
tweet came out that he they had agreed to a 10-year deal. They hadn't talked about what the terms were, or how much the money was or anything. But we started talking through it and we thought, man, it's really risky for a player or a team right now to sign that long of a contract for multiple reasons, right? We got this whole virus situation going on yeah. that we don't know how it's going to impact the salary cap for the next couple of years, right? We yeah. don't know if we're going to see, you know, we've seen the salary cap grow year in and year out. It but could if stop or go down next year if, right. with all intents and purposes. Yeah. If teams don't have fans and they're not selling the merchandise that they were selling before, they're not going to make that revenue, so the cap's not going to go up. So I thought this is a risky deal. So maybe they work in a clause where instead of it being based on an annual amount, a set annual amount, it's based on a percentage of the cap. In other words, and I'm just throwing raw numbers out there, let's just say the quarterback position, his position, QB1, they factor at 20% of the cap. Well, in that first two years where the cap number might be low, it helps the team because they're not paying as significant of a number because he's still only taking up 20% of the cap right. regardless. So he might only make $30 million or $35 million those first two years, but as that cap grows over a decade – Mahomes could really make some money. Correct, but over uh, on that same piece, right? When it when it grows, to say that oh, you know, the team's having to put out more money. The reason a salary cap cap grows is because of revenue, right? So if you're saying that this is the case, then it it really comes down to the salary cap has to be. If you're doing a, a contract on percentage, the salary has cap has to be low in order to be beneficial for both sides. Right, right. He's getting the most out of the team. He's getting the most out of it. If he did this as a percentage deal, yes, it goes up and it helps him, but it's just going to kill the market because you have other teams that can't afford to hit the salary cap. Yes and no, but if if you know that, all right, Pat Mahomes is in a tier all kind of by himself right now, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that too because <laughs> there were some interesting comments made by uh, some, some reporters that talked about tiering. We'll talk about that, but Pat Mahomes is one of those – once-in-a-generation type players, right? Right. And it's if you're talking about percentages and you know that, let's say, I'm going to factor in 18% of my cap is going to go to a once-in-a-generation type player, whatever that number may be 10 years from now, if that means he's getting paid $54 million a year or $57 million a year, that number sounds crazy, but at the end of the day, it's still only taking up 18%. You can budget that other... 82% pretty easily. You'd just have to figure out how to manage it, but it really works out for Mahomes because as that number grows, as that cup number grows, he's not caught yeah. at that $40 million mark or $45 million mark he agreed to a decade ago. But here's the here's the deal with this. The, the downside to this whole piece, right, is that with Mahomes, and they were talking about it on Speak Yourself on FS1 this afternoon. I actually was kind of listening to it as I was working, and they made a great point. He's binding himself in on this contract. Mm -hmm. If the market value goes up, instead of him signing a 10-year, let's say he would have signed a, a three- or four-year deal. Right. Never would have happened. Five-year minimum for him, I, I think, would be the case. Even so, the market goes up. We've seen the trend of the market continuing to go up. Mm -hmm. Or it recovers after corona, which I, we all would imagine it would. He could actually, in five years have had a larger contract that could have been that, that those those last few years could have actually paid him more per year average. And that's why I'm saying it's beneficial to both sides. 
right? Because Mahomes gets a big chunk even through those risky years, those couple of first couple of years of his contract where the cap might not go but, up as much, but he still gets a big chunk as correct. the team. But here's the, here's the deal, and here's the point they brought up on Speak Yourself. They brought up Dak Prescott, right? Mm -hmm. Dak Prescott right now is set to make $30, year, $30 million a year. Mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes, who is arguably, I'm not going to say arguably, I, I love Lamar. I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL right now. I don't, there's not many people out there that would argue that. He definitely is. He's getting paid about four and a half million dollars less than Dak. When you factor, once you get to 2022, which technically Dak can go this year on the franchise tag, he can go next year on the franchise tag. They could franchise tag him again in 2022. Mm. But unless the cap goes up significantly, they're never going to do that because you know how much he's, he's anticipated to get when the cap hits 2022? $54 million. Right. Yep. Which is just proving his value, right? So now you have a guy that is is arguably, in, or unarguably, the best quarterback in the league that's being paid less and has a deal that's been equivalent, equivalent, equivalented to a Teddy Bridgewater type situation. Right. Getting paid way more, or you know, a few years ago, Kirk Cousins. Yeah. It is absolutely ridiculous <laughs> how it's structured. I get it. Yes, it is beneficial, but it just it kills the market because you have... Your your best quarterback in the league isn't getting paid, but everybody else is. Uh, I don't know. Half billion dollars. <laughs> and the, the amount of money that he's going to average over that time uh, is pretty substantial. And let's not forget, too. Now, granted, I understand that it's other a four, players. It's a $47 million a year contract when you when you look at it. Right. But that's assuming the guy doesn't get injured. Yeah, no, I agree. But everybody's going to have an injury clause in their contract. Everybody's going to have that that kind of a, a situation or kind of fear. Uh, that's why you say you never really see these 10-year deals committed to a team because of that very risk there. But I think for the, the Chiefs to have that clause of $150 million, yes, $150 million is a lot of money. But, you know, if they've got an out of having to pay a half billion dollars and only have to pay 150 of that if he does get hurt in year one or year two, it's a pretty smart move for the Chiefs to kind of work that in there, I think. Yeah. But this guy, I mean, the money that he's going to be making over his career is absolutely just monopoly money. Like, when you think about it, the half billion dollars, that's just his contract. He it, when, when you start factoring in how much he's going to make in endorsements, I guarantee you over that same 10 years, he'll probably make the equivalent of his contract easily. In endorsements, this guy's so, going to make over a billion say, dollars. You're, you're, you're thinking he's going to make between the deal and the endorsements. You're thinking he's going to make upwards of a billion dollars. hundred percent. He's he's the best player in the league. He's one of the more marketable players in the league. I mean, all the kids out there in, in college, they're cutting their hair like him. Like you know, I know he's got the 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 Mahomes, frog the Mahomes froggy and voice. But. And Lamar, yeah, Mahomes and Lamar have that effect on people, and I think that's the case. James, what are you what are you thinking over there? I think it's <clears throat> I just think it's beautiful for. For the NFL. Yeah, this, this I mean. The deal, this is like, you never think a 10-year deal, like, this is like, 10 years is like a hockey deal, where you get 10 years, but you only get like 80 million. Right. You're getting 10 years, 500 million. That's it's beautiful it's for, crazy. for the league. It, I, I think it's 100%. Great. 100%. I, I, I personally love it, because it, it, it can work well for him and the Chiefs. And and he's there for, he's a Chief for life, basically. Right, exactly. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call out Jason, who says, the rest of the team will suffer like Green Bay has since they since their last Super Bowl. And th there's a point here. Because I agree with that. 
probably in the first couple of years because the cap not growing. But with how? But let's all right. So let's look at that. Right, they are the defending Super Bowl champs. Right. This is your big. This you have. We we always talk about windows, right? You you either have them or you have to create them. Right. Right now they are in their window. They've been in their window since last year. We've we saw it coming. They didn't make it quite last year or the two years ago. Last year they make it. This year they have it. How big is that window? Now you've got to pay him more. Can you not go get other places, other guys, and other things like? I don't to, think to I don't him. think that's going to be a problem because I mean, again, you think about it. There's not a bigger window than the Pat Mahomes window because he's the best player in the NFL. He's the best quarterback in the NFL, and he's, I mean, he's what twenty four years old or twenty five years old. He's super young at this point, right? So it's not a guy like Tom Brady where your window is two or three years that he's got left on his contract. He's got a large playing window, right? Right. And we think once this virus situation takes care of itself, that cap will continue to grow like it always has, right. which will create more space. The Chiefs right now are a pretty fairly young team. They've got a lot of young talent, uh, you know, as far as wide receivers. They just drafted a very dynamic running back in uh, Hilaire. Yeah. Uh, so they've got some pieces that are going to be there through those first couple of years that are really going to contribute, and they just won a Super Bowl with that team, right? So... But I all don't those, think they're going to go guys, out. All those guys that are on rookie contracts are going to want to get just like Pat right. did. And they're going to want to get paid. And I think by the time they come to that, this situation will be cleared up. The cap will continue to grow, and the Chiefs will still have money to be able to manage that. Are they going to be able to keep everybody? Probably not. Neither are the Ravens. They're going to be in a very similar right. situation where the Ravens and we're the Chiefs. Year, we're literally a year behind them with, with what's, what's happening and what's going on. Exactly. But what's the other option? Do you not pay this guy and then roll the dice again in hopes that you're going to find somebody else in the draft? Like that's a very right. risky gamble. So let's let's come back to Baltimore, right? So what, in your opinion, what does this ultimately mean for Lamar and the Ravens? Lamar's Lamar's got to duplicate what he did last year to get this kind of a contract or even better. In my opinion, I think if Lamar can come out and do what he did again, he's in the MVP running. He possibly wins a Super Bowl because this is what Pat Mahomes did. Pat Mahomes, his first full season, won the MVP, fell short at the Super Bowl. Goes the next year, doesn't win the MVP, but he wins the Super Bowl, gets paid a half billion dollars. I think if we draw those same dots for Lamar, right. we're going to see that same kind of contract. The Ravens are yeah. going to absolutely have to pay him. I think the only way that he beats that contract is if he does both. If yeah, he's the I, MVP I agree with next, that. If he's the MVP that's, next year, and that's what and his that's what his team will sit on. His team will yeah. say, not only did we win that Super Bowl, but we've now won back to back MVP. Awards. The only other way that is, if he makes it to the Super Bowl and, and doesn't win, the only other way that he gets paid more than Mahomes is if they beat Mahomes and the Chiefs in the AFC Championship. Right. That's the only other way outside of winning the Super Bowl that he is on paper worth more. Right. Well, I mean, we'll see. It's it's like I said, year three is very, very important for Lamar in order to get that kind of money. Even if Lamar comes out and still has a very good season, he like I said, he's in the the talk for MVP. He's still going to get he gonna get his money. top two, yeah. top three type money yeah. as far as a quarterback goes. But in order for him to get Mahomes' money or more, he's going to have to win that MVP award, win a Super Bowl. I think, in my opinion, to get that kind of well, money, you're talking you're talking top tier money, right? And you're talking top tier top tier guys. So let's let's kind of expand on this conversation right we talked about about lamar and what this means for him there's been some interesting conversations going around on on social media on uh on espn on fs1 
regarding Lamar as being considered a top tier guy. Yep. Right. For this 2020 season. Everybody puts out the markers out there. Is somebody elite? Is he a franchise quarterback? You know, they put these different tiers and these different rankings. And, and and fantasy football is the reason for that, right? Fantasy football, we put guys in certain tiers based on where we want to draft them and all that right. stuff. Uh, and, yeah, actually, Stephen A. Uh, you I hate Stephen A. I cannot stand Stephen A. I, listen, I think he's pretty smart when it comes to basketball, but that's his realm, and he needs to stay in his realm. When he starts talking about football and other things, he just makes himself look like an ass. And he did that again, right? So they started talking. It was him and uh, Dominique Foxworth, a former Raven, former Terp. Uh, they were talking about top-tier quarterbacks. And Dominic, I saw this. Dominique Foxworth had— I, I li- I'm just going to say before you start, I, li- I, I like Stephen A. for a little bit of his You take. would. Go ahead. No wonder. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, this all is going to make ahead. sense then. This is all going to come together and make sense. So, <laughs> Dominique Foxworth was talking about his top-tier quarterbacks, which were three. And his top three were Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Lamar Jackson. I can agree with that. And he was arguing two and three. Like, you could switch them, interchange them, put Lamar at two, Wilson's, Wilson's Wilson been a little three. bit more a little bit more uh, consistent. Lamar hasn't been had the chance to prove it yet. Right. But Lamar has gotten further, quicker. Yeah, I get it. Okay. So his argument, Stephen A., when he came back, he said he doesn't really have that. He doesn't have Lamar Jackson in his top two or top three. He has Lamar Jackson in his five. And what he came up with was he had the same three guys. He had uh, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, but then he had Deshaun Watson, Drew Brees, then... Lamar Jackson. And at that point, I wasn't completely upset with him because, listen, Deshaun Jackson, I think. Deshaun Watson? I mean, yes, you say Deshaun Jackson. (laughs) Yeah, that's a whole other story. Uh, Deshaun Watson, I think he's a very good quarterback. He's had injury problems. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. But when he's played, he's been able to show electricity, especially through the passing game. And I think his mobility is severely underrated. Like, he's a very mobile quarterback. He's capable um, so I, I can see him being in the top five. Drew Brees, he's one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it. He's definitely the most accurate quarterback in history. He's got the most yardage. He's got the most he's touchdowns. A, he's a model of consistency at the quarterback position. That's why you That's why you rate him that way. Right. But I don't know at this point in his career, at however old he is, I don't know if I'm putting him above Lamar, just in my opinion, right? So, like, I wasn't that upset with his okay. take. Yeah, I get you. I get but you. so then Dominique Foxworth calls him out on it. And they start going back. And Stephen A. tries to explain himself. And at some point, like, I had to go back and watch it again because I'm like, did he really say this? But he went back and compared Lamar Jackson and Tim Tebow, your boy. (laughs) Which He, He does like him some Tebow, I'm just saying. These two shouldn't even be in the same conversation at this point. In their in, in in Lamar Jackson's career, no, they 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 should not be. But I get where I get where Stephen A. was trying to start the conversation in relation to where they were early in their career. That the the biggest knock was that the these, you know, these only guys comparison throw. with these two is that they were both mobile quarterbacks. I get that, that and they were both both Heisman winners in college football. I get that. We're talking college football days. I'm talking NFL career. These two shouldn't even be in the same breath, shouldn't even be in the same conversation. You know, when they first came out, right, when Lamar Jackson first came out, people compared him to Tim Tebow because they were worried about his accuracy. 
And that's always been everybody's critic. That's why everybody's I, I outside get the, critic. I get the initial. I get the initial. I get that. Initial, right. But he wasn't talking about initial, right? He was talking about right now and comparing them as far as ability goes. There is no comparison in what Lamar Jackson and Tim Tebow can do as a passer. Lamar Jackson is, is by far a much better runner than Tim Tebow and anybody in NFL history from the quarterback position for that matter. So I can understand drawing a little bit of a parallel because Tim Tebow did run the ball decently in the NFL, but he did not throw the ball even decently. He didn't throw the ball bad. He threw the ball, he threw the ball terrible, terrible. So they shouldn't even be in the same breath in Tim, Tim Tebow's only season, like full season that he actually played, which even wasn't a full season. It was still right. only like 12 he was games. Cut, cut, game, cut short, yeah. He threw for 47%. All these haters that wanted to come out there about Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson came out and proved them all wrong. He threw for 66% last year in his first full season. His first full season, that's a full 20% better completion percentage than Team Tebow. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I mean, I, I, like I said, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I, I, I'm saying I see the start of the comparison. I don't see the finish of it because I, I see the, the issues that both guys have had. Lamar has definitely made the adjustments and, and, and made the comparison. If you're talking third year, right, which is where Tim Tebow fell off, I argue to this day it, it was the way they were running that offense and the ask of you need to change what got you here. I'm a firm believer that that needs to stop in all professional sports. Stop a, Stop completely trying to change what these guys are doing. Make, you make tweaks and adjustments. You don't completely ask a guy to change. Period. Uh, I feel like they tweaked him in a similar... They didn't tweak him. They, didn't tweak him. they <laughs> said, you need to stop throwing sidearm. I'm sorry. The guy came in and helped propel that he team didn't, he to didn't a throw, playoff run. He didn't throw completely sidearm. He threw very similar to Lamar. And when we, when you and I went to training camp, first time we watched Lamar. It was Lamar, a bunch of ducks from Lamar. That yeah. was all he was throwing, right? So they showed that Lamar could be taught and that he could work on his mechanics, and he cleaned it up. And last year, we didn't see anywhere near the amount of ducks that he was throwing, and he was throwing much higher, you know, much easier catchable balls. We know a little. Uh, here's the only thing I'm going to say it, it, to Tim Tebow's defense, right, a little bit. <laughs> uh, classic Scott. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. That's fine. <laughs> Do you know what they were working on with Tim Tebow? Other than what we heard, which was he needs to completely change how he's throwing the football. He needs to change his arm slot. He needs to change his arm angle. Mm. Patrick Mahomes kind of helped set the stage a little bit for Lamar because now you have a guy that they didn't screw with him and he still came back and did it. Lamar came back and did it. My, my point was, it, it's just these two should not be in the same breath. They shouldn't even in be this, brought up in any kind of comparison anymore. So the fact that here we are, and Stephen Third A is, in, yes. yeah, and Stephen a is still comparing the two. It it's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but all right, let's talk a little bit about this season because there was some news that kind of came to the forefront. Uh, the first step in <laughs> chipping away at this season, we saw that they, you know, obviously OTAs didn't happen, right? That was the first chip to fall. Now two preseason games have been canceled. Uh, weeks one and weeks four have been canceled. So it's just going to be a two preseason game season uh august 20th through the 21st will be our 24th will be the first preseason game and then the 27th through the 31st will be the second preseason game both team or each team will have a home and an away game right uh do you have any con concerns about there being a lack of preseason games do you worry about the conditioning of players yeah i mean so that that's my biggest issue right is 
when you look at this, these guys are so used to being like, okay, we need, I need X amount of games. It's routine, right? These are, these are to an extent creatures of habit, right? Athletes are creatures of habit. And so when you take that away, you now, you now play an effect on their habit, which plays an effect on their conditioning, right? Right. We, we see some of these, some of these guys, I bring up T-Sizzle, right? We saw towards the latter half of the seasons, he started to struggle. Because his conditioning wasn't there. Yeah. Can you imagine a guy like him, latter half of his career, starting to struggle because he didn't get the conditioning? There's a guy on our defensive line right now, been in the league for a while. Granted, past few years have done he's done really well. But I worry what type of role what type of role does the the lack of conditioning play on his ability to play at such a high level? And play for the long term, and that's Calais Campbell. Yeah, I'm. I don't think. <clears throat> I don't think conditioning it changes whether they have two or four preseason games because they're still going to have those weeks of practice. Like the the amount of time before the regular season start doesn't right. change it. So they're still going to have all that time to practice. It's just conditioning as a whole is going to be affected, and it's because of this virus and everybody's been inside and. It's going to be survival of the fittest. Who have been the guys that have been out there putting in the work, keeping their bodies in shape? Because you're going to see a ton of soft tissue soft tissue ish injuries this yeah. year. You're going to see guys yeah. falling with all kinds of stuff, people with pulling hamstrings, twisting ankles, knee injuries. You're going to see all kinds of stuff happen this year. Uh, and it's going to be the teams that have been preparing themselves. I think the biggest hurdle with this preseason game thing is going to be the teams that have made the most change, right? The teams that have the most rookies coming in, the teams that have uh, the most free agents coming in that don't know the system and that kind of thing, uh, because this does obviously handicap teams as far as evaluation goes, right? So a lot of these undrafted free agents that we saw make the Ravens rosters in years past and players that, you know, had the time to prove that they deserve a spot on the roster – those guys aren't going to get the fair shot. Those guys aren't going to get the opportunity. So a team like the Ravens, who didn't have a lot of turnover from last year to this year, I think will excel because they're, again, they got a, got a lot of guys in there that already know the system, that don't right. need to come up to speed. There are some key cogs, like you said, Derek Wolf and, and Calais Campbell, but these are guys that have been in the league for a long time. Well, it's more so just tell me where to line up and who my guy is. And they'll be able to figure it out. Rookies, yeah. it's a big learning curve. I would say rookies is where it's going to hurt the most. But I just, with as guys get older, that's what I'm saying. It's it's conditioning. As guys get older, it becomes a little bit more. It becomes a little bit more difficult to make sure that they're conditioned in a way that they're they're able to perform at that high level for a long period of time, and that you're not having to substitute in and do things like that. So that's my worry. I, I get it. Yes, you're you're right. You're going to see those soft tissue injuries, which are going to create problems. But I, I really. Teams I, that have depth are going to I, excel I, this year. I do think it's not just the depth. This goes back to analytics. Right? We're an analytic team. This could be the year that you see matchup style. Yeah. Right? Where, okay, they've got this guy in. Calais, you're, you know, we talked about him being a rotational guy. You can yeah. put it, you can be his plug and play anywhere on the line. You're going to see that a lot more than we originally anticipated. Yep. Because now you need to play those matchups to your favor way more than maybe you originally planned. Maybe you were originally planning to have Calais play, you know, most of his snaps at one spot and move him to the other. Now you need him to be in the best position to beat the best, to beat the guy that he needs to beat. 100% agree. 
so the other thing, uh, <laughs> the other factor about the NFL season is whether this is going to be with fans or not, right? We still haven't completely figured that out. You signed your life away yet? Yeah, so that was going to be my question. <laughs> I want to get your guys' opinion out there, everybody that's listening. Would you sign a waiver that removes the NFL and the Ravens from all liability if anything happens to you, getting, you know, catching the virus or anything like that? Would you be willing to sign that waiver to be able to attend a game? 150%, I'll sign it 10 <laughs> times a day if I have to, whatever I need to do to get my ass back in that stadium. I don't want to sit out an NFL season. You going to wear a mask? If I have to, I'll wear a mask. Okay. Yeah, I'm not that guy that's like, oh, no, I can't go out in public because I, you know, <laughs> that's not me. Wear a mask, right? We're in this position. People aren't taking it serious enough. Wear a mask. Yeah, just deal with it. No, I think a lot of people are, are a lot. Of, here's the deal. If you're going to put out a waiver, you're going to have a ton of people sign it. The, the issue that comes in is in that waiver, right? This is all in discussion, but I think in that waiver, if it's determined in some way, shape, or form that you had, you came and you had the virus. Like criminal charges type thing? Yes. Because you'd have to knowingly, like you would, like it's one thing, it's one thing to, cause there are people out there that do not have symptoms and have the virus and aren't aware of it. They're just a host, right? They're just a carrier. There are people out there that have the virus and have no idea of knowing. But there's a, there's also assholes that know they're sick and still want to go out. 100% agree. That's what I'm saying. So if they can trace it back to a doctor's appointment or something like that and prove that you knew, you and knew you, you were still sick came, you, you still t- even 100%. if you didn't get tested, if you, talk, if you called the doctor, yep. you went to the doctor, whatever it may be, it's a criminal investigation at that point. Absolutely. Because I 100% agree with that. If, you, if a bunch of people get sick, then you, you contact trace it, whatever, that's putting people at risk. It's criminal charges at that point. So I think you have to include that in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I'd sign it. I'd okay. sign it. I'd sign it. I'd be wearing a mask. I'd be like masked up with like four different masks probably. But Brian, would you sign the waiver to go? Oh, hell yeah. All I got to do is go into Green Bay Packers size. Beer, cheese, and brats. That coronavirus don't stand a damn chance <laughs> against that, man. You wearing a mask if they tell you you got to wear a mask? Uh, damn, probably not. No? Probably nope. not. No. Yeah, you're I, not I, going I, to the stadium then. Nope. James? <laughs> <laughs> Are you? Would you sign the waiver? I, I would sign the waiver, but also I wear the mask too because it's cold. That helps <laughs> to keep your right. keep you warm. Absolutely. Some of the winter protection I yeah. wear to a normal game is it, probably better than these cover, stupid masks. But, you know, after a while, after you get a couple of drinks, it might fall off. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. Or, yeah, or they might have vomited it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I would definitely wear it, and I think a lot of people would, and it'd be great for the game. Right. All right, so la- last thing I want to bring up in the Ravens section. This was kind of a fun topic. I was riding, you know, I hadn't driven anywhere very often, right? My, my gas <laughs> has been in my tank now for, I don't know, two months, like the same gas tank because I just don't drive anywhere. So I happened to be in the car the other day, and I was listening to 105.7, and they had Ken Wyman and that other guy, not to be named, the other guy. They were actually Lock having Pora. Lock it, yeah, whatever. They were, poor decisions. They were going back and forth uh, on a kind of fun cop- topic, and I thought we could talk about it a little bit too. They were talking about pass rush, right? And pass rush has obviously been a big concern of ours uh, for yeah. the last couple of years. And ever since we lost to Darius Smith and, you know, the, the Robin to, you know, uh, Judon's Batman, yeah. uh, we haven't replaced him. We've had some pieces kind of come in. Pernell McPhee made an impact early on in the year before he got hurt. Uh, but we made some additions this year. So All they right. started talking about the best pass rushers in the, or in the AFC North. 
right? And they basically just ranked their top five pass rushers in the AFC North. And the question was, would there be any Ravens on the top five pass rushers in the AFC North? We're just talking AFC North. Right. So when you look at this, right, you got to look at every team and the well, Steelers are loaded. I was say, where did let's let's before you get into that, like where did everybody finish last year? Because I think that get that's gonna give our fans and us an idea of where where right. things are going. Here. Well, then we'll just go right down the list of names and we'll go down the, the sack total. So you had JJ Watt, or not JJ Watt, TJ Watt, uh, who had 14 last they year. They wish it was JJ. No, TJ's doing damn good by himself, that's right? True. TJ stayed on the football field. JJ we wish has it was TJ. Or yeah. JJ. <laughs> right. TJ had 14 sacks last year. His counterpart, uh, Bud Dupree, had 11 and a half. Miles Garrett had 10. Now, mind you, he missed six I games last year. He was suspended year. for almost half the season. Right. And he had 10. Yeah. What, he'd be Swinging helmets around. I mean, you had, all right, so you, he had 10. 10 and he missed six games. So you add another game, you add six games, you add a sack per game. He's at 16. He leads the he's, AFC North. Say, he leads the league, isn't he? Uh, somebody, he'd be real close. He'd be real close, right? Uh, and then... On the Bengals, you got Carlos Dunlop, uh, who had nine. You had Judon, who had, I'm sorry, you had Judon, who had nine and a half. Cam Hayward, he's the other guy in, in yeah. Pittsburgh. Another defensive tackle, nine and a half sacks. Dunlop had nine. Uh, and then you've got Calais Campbell, who had six and a half when he was with Jacksonville, right? So that's kind of the top pass rushing group this year. Okay. So I'm going to go my top five. If Miles Garrett plays a full season, I think he's hands down number one. Him and TJ Watt, I think you can kind of go back and forth on, but I, I yeah. think production-wise, he's a freak in nature. You just got to stay on the football field. I think he's number one. TJ's number two. Uh, I do think Bud Dupree is right there at number three. Now, here's where I, I think we're going to see a big jump is number four, and that's the first Raven that comes into play, and it's not Matt Judon for me. Okay. It's Calais Campbell. And this goes back to your point that you just made a couple minutes ago. Calais Campbell's very versatile on the defensive line. You can line him up anywhere. You can line him up on the interior. You can line him up outside. And I think putting him in this defensive system under Wink's tutelage See we're going, yeah. and allowing him to be able to use his flexibility and slide him out, I think you're going to see more pass rush because what are you going to do, right? Are you going to... Double up Matt Judon, which you're probably going to see a lot of that this year. So for Matt Judon to break that 10-sack barrier, which was – he got real close last year. He got nine and a half. Something's got to happen. Something's got to give, right? So I think personally it's going to be Calais Campbell there. I think he gets to that double digit. So actually we see him jump from six and a half to that 10, maybe even 11 range. I, I really believe that he can kind of create that kind of pressure. And then I have Matt Judon. So I have two Ravens in the top five. Okay. Campbell first, then Judon. I see where you're going. and I see you. I think for me, I look at this. I, I agree with you. I think Watt and Garrett, one, two. Garrett, he's just a dominant force. I don't know how you're going to see him, you know, how he's going to improve this year. Can he improve? Does does the other does the off the field or on the field issue? I guess you can talk about it. Uh, does that mess with him in any way, shape, or form for this year? Um, so I think I think I still see Watt out beating him, and then Garrett. Then I think you see 
I, this is where I disagree. I think you see Judon. At three? I think you see Judon at three. Okay. And I think that's because what was the one thing? We, we talked about these other teams, right? The other, these other teams had multiple guys that were at or above, just above, yeah. Matt Judon. Judon didn't have anybody that really you could go, well, here's the other guy on that line that was putting the pressure. Right. No, that's true. Now he's going to have that. Now you've got to account for Matt Judon and i got to account for Calais Campbell. This is a proven guy. Here's a guy that continues to prove who the hell are you going to cover? Who the hell are you going to double team? Right. Because you can't do double teams on both because then you're going to open up Brandon Williams or somebody else on the other side to then get all the sacks on that side. Right. So there could be a surprise name in this that we're not even thinking about. But I think it comes down to Calais Campbell helps to take the pressure off of Matt Judon. Matt Judon is continually able to do what Matt Judon has done. And the reason he will get paid at right. some point, I think you see him number three. I think you see Dupree at number four and Campbell number five. Not far off from you. I just think we see the flop there. The only reason I think Campbell beats Matt Judon is not only the flexibility that I mentioned, but both the Bengals and the Browns significantly improved on offensive tackles between free agents and the draft and injuries that they have players coming back from last year, which the tackles are the ones that are going to have to deal with Matt Judon. Right. So I think Matt Judon, that's four games that they're going to have to account for this year where they're going to see significant improvements on the offensive line where they're not going to see as much improvement is in the interior. And that's where I think Calais Campbell, his first year Fair in enough. the AFC North can make a little bit of noise, but that's just, that's just my take on it. My opinion. All right, Scott, it's time for the Liquor Stop Brew of the Week. And what do we got in this fancy, uh, I guess it's a Statue of Liberty. Ish, yeah. yeah. So this is this is from 21st Amendment Brewery. It's actually a brewery in San Francisco, California. Um, so it's not a local brewery this week. But we got something this week that was, wasn't an IPA. This is a wheat beer. Um, and so this is their Hell or High Watermelon Wheat. Uh, it's a summer seasonal beer, beer that's available from April to September. Um, they it starts with like kind of a, a classic, you know, American wheat beer. We've all had wheat beers, right? They right. they tend to be a little bit lighter. This one's only four point nine. Um, but then they had they add in um, some of the fresh watermelons, some other melons in there, and it, it really it's a good beer that has a, a they describe it personally perfectly a kiss of watermelon aroma and flavor. When you first smell the beer, it's kind of like you can smell it a little bit, but it's it smells a little weird. Yeah. When you taste it, you can taste the watermelon in this beer. I'm not a big watermelon fan, like as far as flavoring goes. Like I, I like watermelon itself. Right. But like water watermelon flavored Flavor, things yeah. or like candies and all that's not my favorite thing. But this beer is actually really good. It, I do it, like it literally this. tastes like they took the beer and just squeezed the watermelon juice into this. 100% agree. It, it's, it, that's what it tastes like to me. They say it's it pairs with fresh shucked oysters, veggie or fruit salads, seafood, and summer sunny days. So it, it's just absolutely a delicious beer that I love. Make sure you guys go up to Liquor Stop on 1510 Conowingo Road. Make sure you let them know Birdland BS sent you. And you know what? It just hit me. What's that? You know what this beer pairs good with? What's that? Nice wedge of watermelon and sitting behind home plate at an Orioles game. Perfect transition, my friend, as we're ready for the bros, bows, and o's. But it's not a perfect <laughs> transition because that's not going to happen. <laughs> All right, man. So the Orioles' uh, schedule finally came out as pathetic as it looked. I don't know if you saw the image. 
You're so used to seeing like this laundry list of games, right? And it came out and I'm like, oh, isn't that cute? You're used to seeing six months here. It's like two and a half, <laughs> two and a quarter. So the Orioles are actually going to start this season on the road at Fenway Park uh, on July 24th against the Red Sox before eventually coming home. I don't even know when the home opener is. Uh, the 29th. Okay, 29th. Versus the Marlins. Right. Uh, so it sounds like the Orioles are getting their practices in more so than some teams. Uh, sounds like the Orioles have gotten in about eight or nine practices. And then I think at this point down at Camden Yards. Uh, yeah. So they started on the first, technically the first day wasn't a practice. They had to go in. It was, it was learning about the routine. The, uh, they, they went through, I mean, they had already known through a zoom call of what the, the protocol was going to be. Uh, but it was getting them in. I think they were, they had to go in, they had to do the testing. They had to do. Um, the walking through the the cleaning protocol and everything right and then the the distancing protocol and then it was you know okay we can go out and play catch and everybody's done like right. that's that's kind of what it was um and then they kind of have slowly progressed so at this point they've had seven they've had today was the seventh one um the seventh the seventh chance they've had at this so it, it's it's interesting because they've had seven but you mentioned some other teams right Cincinnati Reds shut down yeah Houston Astros shut down you have, uh, I think it's four or five other teams that have shut down. Yep. Yeah, I think Seattle may have shut them down. Um, but interestingly enough, you have some teams that are, you know, they're, they're staying on top of it. They're continuing to do it. But you have more players opting out now. Right. The most interesting came this week to me, former Oriole Nick Marcakis. Did you see this? I did. Uh, yeah, this, this kind of opened my eyes. Uh, but it also made me... If you can like Nick Markakis any more than you already did, this made me like him even more. The fact that he's speaking out, I mean, let's 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 forget this guy's quiet. This yeah. is a quiet, he was a club an inner clubhouse guy. He was never an outer clubhouse guy. I mean, he wasn't very vocal. He was, you know, he did interviews, but they were they were basic, right? This guy's coming out and saying, I don't feel comfortable playing. Right. And it wasn't just for one reason. I mean, he yeah. he listed a laundry list of, of reasons. Obviously, uh his teammate Freddie Freeman uh diagnosed with the virus. He said he spoke to Freeman on the phone, and Freeman, for lack of a better term, just didn't sound good. Yeah, he said Freeman sounded bad. He right. didn't like how he sounded. And it really opened Marcakis' eyes, so that was a factor. Uh, you know, he, he's been playing for 11 – well, he's been playing for more than 11 years, but 11 years that he hasn't had time around his kids. And, you know, so his kids and his family life is, was a factor yeah. in it too. Um, so he worries about, you know, catching something and bringing it home or whatever it may be. It sounded like he, he also kind of alluded to the protocols a little bit, right? right? He said, you know, this is, we learned what I'm going to, what we're going to have to do on a regular basis. And it's not something that I really feel comfortable doing, which, right. I mean, I know my wife had, she had to have surgery. She got the, she got the coronavirus test, obviously came back negative. Right. But she, she said that was the worst experience she's ever had. Yep. Like she literally was like it went back and it felt like they touched my brain. Yeah. So these these players are having to do this every other day. Every literally. other day. Yep. And then the other thing I think that really made me just appreciate Nick more and it, it, it's, it just speaks to his character. And he just talked about the fans, right? The reason that he plays the game is for the fans. And without them there, like it just it doesn't have the same effect for him. It doesn't give him the drive to want to go out there and do it every day. Like the reason he does it at this point in his career, you know, he's made yeah. the money that he's going to make through his career. He's not making a whole lot of money out there in Atlanta right now. He made the volume of his money at this point. He's doing it because of the love of the game and for the fans uh, and to not have them there 
was a big determining factor. It, he wasn't here when when the Orioles didn't didn't play. He was he right. had been gone by that point. But you know he talked to Adam. Oh, for sure. And said, dude, what what was it like not playing with fans? And you know Adam. Adam was like, it sucked, man. Mm-hmm. Like it was completely different. I didn't like it. Whatever. So you know he still talks to Adam on a regular basis. You know Adam had that. Adam's playing in front of no fans right now. Right. Right. So you can get it, and that's a guy that he's been in the league for, what, 11, almost 12? This will be his 12th year. You know, this year, I think you you contemplate, you see him contemplate this year, not being his last year. I think he comes back and he plays one more year. Yeah, it, it really made me think, just listening to him, just the, the totality of everything that he said, said made me really think he's questioning playing again not just this season well especially like you said it came to his family right, right. he hasn't been around his kids for 11 years and his fat and his wife you kind of want to i mean i i'll be honest i couldn't imagine not being around my son right now right at, you know at four years there's so many things that you do and have happen and yeah they get the off season but the off season you still got to technically kind of work and train and you're doing all these things and then for nine months out of the year you're lucky if you see him a dozen times right yeah and at this point like i said i think he's only making between two and three million dollars a year out there in atlanta he's made the bulk of his money that he's gonna make it's not that extra two or three million dollars doesn't secure his financial status for the rest of his life he's already got that in place brian can you look up when is he when is his deal up i'm curious to see when his deal up and the reason i bring that up is nick markakis we all we all know him right i think whether it's a one year at all at league minimum or they work out something or he just comes back for one day it'll be a one day he'll retire as an Oriole I 100% agree I think he'll retire as an Oriole but it'll be a day contract Mike Elias and this new regime they're not for bringing back players from the past and signing them to a one-year deal just to say farewell to the players like they've got a plan in place to rebuild this team and to go in the direction and right now he's under the microscope right like he doesn't have wiggle room and he doesn't have time to waste on a player who's you know in the 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 latter half of his career at the back end of his his career we've talked about you needing potentially to fill bodies right now yeah so in the next two years why not i mean guys Nick Markakis, even going to Atlanta, is still, oh, still one of the players. most consistent hitters in, yeah, in, he's in still the a, league. He's still a great player, but that's just not his. That's not Michael Elias's and 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 uh, it's not their mo. Six mo exactly. So, yeah. so this is his last year with the Atlanta Braves. That's his what I his contract expires after so, this year. I I really could see him him working out and saying, "Look, give me a one year league minimum deal." Let me do it. I'm still look at my numbers. You're 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 all about numbers. You're all about analytics. I'm consistent. You need somebody consistent. I know we'll we're see. not going to win anything this year, but let's go ahead and do it. I right? don't know. We'll see. But this leads to the question again. <laughs> Mark Higgins talks about fans. Obviously, there's not going to be fans in the stands this year at Major League <laughs> Baseball, <laughs> no. right? So we had talked in, in weeks past about creative ways, and I had said there are people out there that are much smarter than us that can come up with creative ideas. I came up with this whole Top Golf kind of like fun idea or whatever. Like but you were talking if to, there wasn't baseball I was at say, all. You right. were talking if there wasn't right. baseball completely. But my point was the owners had to figure out ways to make up the lost revenue of not having fans in the stands, not have people buying sodas and hot dogs and beers right. and all that stuff. They got to figure out ways to do it. So the Oakland A's, in the genius idea of the week, in my opinion, I don't know if you've heard this yet or not. I did. But what they're doing is they're selling cardboard cutouts to fans that fans can buy of themselves. 
And what it does is you can buy, I believe, you can buy them on a game-to-game basis or you can buy them as a season package type thing. It puts your cardboard cutout in a seat. And if a foul ball was to hit your cardboard cutout, that foul, that foul ball will be mailed to you as if you were there, as if you got that souvenir yeah. type of thing. I think that's so I think it's kind of cool. Are they going to make the same kind of money that they were going to make on ticket sales and all that stuff? No. But this is a way, a creative way, yeah. to make some of that revenue back. I, get, I, I guess I like it. I, I, I would, you know, me, being me, I would put another tier to it. I'd say if you, let's say it's $40. Right. I'm just throwing a number out there. Let's say it's $40 a game or it's $40 for five games. Right. However you want to do it. If you get one, you get the ball. That ball is then signed by the player. That hit it. That hit it. And so is your cardboard cutout. And it's both are sent to you. That's another tier. Yeah. So there you go. There's another level to it. Like like you said, you know, package A is just the cardboard cutout, the ability to get a fire up fly ball. That's five dollars a game for ten dollars a game now we'll get you the autographed ball and we'll get you the autographed uh cardboard cutout with it if it hits it uh and there's other things again this is just one of the ideas out there that they they've that oakland athletics are apparently going to run with i think there's other organizations that will come up with something similar or something they should, more fun. yeah i think it makes it's going to look silly we're all going to laugh about it we're all going to make fun of it just like we did with what they're doing it over in we, uh we are but look at the trend right korea. it started in korea right i don't know i mean i know you're not the biggest fan of soccer but soccer started to do it they they have hundreds upon hundreds of cardboard cutouts sitting in their in in their stands right now that's awesome so it, it it makes sense. I think it's something that, that we should we should consider and say this is something that we should do. James. So I'm gonna go with the uh, Nets are down this year. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, Nets. Uh, so if your if your cardboard cutouts get gets destroyed, you get to put in a medical claim. <laughs> there you go. What if somebody Derek Jeter's it into the stands <laughs> and takes out five or six cardboard cutouts by, at a time? By the way, this this isn't a new concept. They've been doing this since the '90s when they were doing like the old school baseball games for the Super uh, Super oh, Nintendo. Jesus, right. Going back to Ken Griffey baseball, right. those were all cardboard cutouts. So yep. It's not a new concept. They're That's very true. Back to old school. Now it's just uh, a way for them to make uh, money. Uh, off you it. got it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got it. You have to do something with everything that's with everything that's happened, right? We, I mean, let's let's be real. A few weeks ago, we were considering them there being no baseball because of a potential strike, right? Right, and we know we know what's happened before. So now we're in that point, and luckily, thank God, you know, we don't have to go. It may be the route of the coronavirus, but we don't have to go the route of the strike, right? All right, but that's true. Speaking of strike, <laughs> oh right. I'm going to turn the floor over to you. So, Mr. Should, James. Should we, should we invite him over on camera? No, no, no. Oh, okay. He can stay there. He can stay there. Okay. He can stay there. It's getting a little, <laughs> little too just, crowded over here, I, a little too hot. I just saw this. I got something for you guys. All right. <laughs> oh, I just saw God. that. So, for After those. you say your numbers and all yeah, that, yeah. I got something for you. All right, all right. All right. So, for all the fans out there that maybe didn't watch last week or didn't get the far as far as uh, the Orioles segment from last week, James had made a comment just kind of nonchalantly about Cal Ripken. You know, we're all kind of defensive of our great number eight, Cal yes. Ripken, right? Uh, James does not think Cal Ripken was Cal Ripken without the streak. He does not think he's a Hall of Famer without the streak. Doesn't think he was a great player without the streak. And I kind of, like, because we were running behind on the show last week, I just let it be. I didn't want to, like, and I didn't have the exact numbers in my head. 
but it irritated me. It got to me a little bit, right? So I had to take some notes, right? And just you got to walk in the bear, James. Just, no, I got mine. Here we go. You better prepare for mine. All right, yeah, we got it, man. I mean, listen. Obviously, Cal Ripken's streak is what he's known for, and and you mentioned the strike thing and saving baseball and all of that, right? There's all of that, and that is what Cal Ripken's known for. But when you look at what this guy did over the course of career, and you remove remove the streak from it, he was rookie of the year in 1982. He followed that up. He was an American, or he was the uh, AL MVP the next year in '83. Yeah. Then again in '91. Nine years later. Right. Eight years later. He was an all-star 19 times. Now, we all know Ridiculous. the all-stars are popularity contest. I get it. But he did it 19 times. He was the all-star game MVP in 91, the same year he won that second MVP trophy. Right. And then in 2001, yes, he hit the home run. Did they serve it up to him? Probably yes. so. It was his farewell, whatever. It was his last all-star game. Fuck it. It's, still, happened a few, it's happened to other players. Right. He put, he put all that into perspective. That's a damn, damn good career. He had over 3,000 hits. Right. Right? He had close to 500 home runs. I want to say he had like four... 431. Yeah, 431 over his career. Both of those numbers... Now, granted, I know his career batting average was somewhere... It was like... In the, two, in the 270s, high 270s, maybe low 280s. Two, 273, I think, was what, what his... Uh, I, I thought it was 272 or somewhere right there. Yeah, okay. yeah, it was around there. So, yeah. Uh, is, his, is his batting average great? No. no. Would his batting average had been better had the streak not have happened? Maybe if he would have taken a little rest? Debatable. You could go back and forth on that. You could say, oh, well, maybe in the latter half of those seasons, he would have been a little fresher. He would have been, you know, he would have hit a little bit better. Is he a member of the 3,000 hit club if he doesn't do that, if he doesn't have a streak? Uh, I agree with that, too. the opposite side of that. Does I agree he get as that. close to 500 home runs if he doesn't play all those let's games? Let's dissect this streak for a second, right? 2,632 consecutive games, right? The closest that anybody had ever done it was Lou Gehrig, and that was 21-31. He did a whole 500 more games than Lou Gehrig, and everybody Three said and that that seasons. Lou Gehrig record was unbreakable. Nobody would ever do it. Not only did he break it, but he broke it by 500 games, right? Yeah, by three and a half more seasons. 500 games. Put this in perspective. That's more total games than all but 33 other players in baseball history. And he did it consecutively. That means there's only 33 other players in MLB history that have played more than 2,632 total games in their career. In their career, and he did it consecutively. That's yeah. insane. Like, so you can't just just pass over the streak as this, well, yeah, he just suited up and went out there and played every day. That's a big fucking accomplishment on top of all the career numbers that he put up. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, career double plays too. <laughs> all right. Uh, one, go ahead, James. Uh, go ahead. Number go one. Ahead. I'm going to say a name. Edgar Martinez. Okay. 18. Greatest DH of all time. Mm -hmm. No. Harold Baines. No. Harold Edgar Baines. Martinez. No, Harold Baines is maybe top five. But Edgar okay. Martinez is okay. the greatest DH of all time. Edgar Martinez, 18 years with one team. Okay. Okay. Batting average, 312. Okay. 309 home runs. Uh-huh. 100 less. Okay. Okay. Uh, 1,261 RBIs. Uh-huh. He was also seven-time All-Star. Uh-huh. Five times uh, silver, silver slugger. Uh-huh. Okay. And a two-time AL Batting champion. Uh -huh. Do you see MVP in there anywhere? He played in Seattle. 
What does that got to do with? He played on the teams with Ken Griffey Jr., Jay Buhner, Randy Johnson. He played with some of the greatest Mariner teams okay, in history. But I'm just saying numbers compared to, to – What numbers? The only number that you threw out there that was impressive was his batting average, right? And it's very impressive. He's the best many, DH in how history. Many, how many Silver uh, Slugger Awards does Kyle Rookin have? Okay, but how many Zero. MVPs does Edgar Martinez have? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it, it does matter. It, you can't say one matters, but the other no, doesn't matter. It no, absolutely no. MVP award is for the best player of the year, and it's not a popularity he contest. He won the batting title Am I right? in 1995. He no, won the right. batting title in 1995, the same era as Kabrikin. Okay, but to his point, right? Okay, to his t- and he, and and after the first DH, you know, the accomplished the feat of a 356 batting average. Uh huh. That's impressive. No, it absolutely is. No, right I'm there. not it's knocking. Five times silver slugger I'm not award. knocking. Holy shit. Give me that shit all goddamn it. You know why? <laughs> I'm not more, knocking more, Ed Mer- Edgar more Martinez. More runs are coming in. That more more games won. Huh? Chances to go to World Series. What Seattle, uh, Seattle did, they you know they swept the, the Yankees. They didn't win it all, but hey. Well, you he know what? In the Hall of Cal Famer. Ripken won These in his first year. These numbers are Hall of Famers, right. dude. Hold, hold on I'm not saying they're not a Hall So your, nope. your argument is totally different. No, your I, I, argument, just, whether just, Edgar Martinez should I'm or shouldn't be a if, Hall of Famer, is valid. If Edgar is had valid. a streak, he would, be, he would be in there. No, oh. if Edgar Martinez wasn't a DH, he'd already be in there. If he just sat out in right field and put dandelions for his I'd whole career, he'd be a Hall of Famer. The problem is... I'd rather have a DH put up numbers. I agree. I don't disagree with you, but that's why he's not in. All right, all right, hold on, hold David on. Ortiz is a, not is his a, whole career. <laughs> David Ortiz, I, I get what you're saying. David Ortiz was not a DH his whole career. Edgar Martinez, for all intents and purposes, was a DH almost his entire career. His whole entire career. He, that, I agree with Fred. He is, he is the best. I agree with you. Harold Baines is in the top. Harold Baines is, is it's number three for me. Edgar yeah. Martinez is number one. There's no doubt about it. Edgar Martinez is the best. Edgar Martinez should be in the, he should be a Hall of Famer. He should be in the Hall of Fame. The difference in your argument is exactly what Fred said. The difference is, yes, if if he goes and has a streak of playing that, is that impressive? Yeah. But you know what's more impressive? The guy that was also out on the field every inning, diving after balls, making some highlight reels before Derek Jeter was even alive. Innings, 8,243 straight innings. Like when you look at it in totality, right? That's how crazy that is. And the other stat that I think is interesting (laughs) when when I was kind of looking this up and preparing as you were preparing, the interesting number, right? There's something almost 20,000 innings in, in that streak. Out of 20,000 innings, 164 is, the, is all that he missed. That's great. Numbers don't lie, but his average and what he did on the on the at the plate killed the Orioles, dude. No. Killed no, the there no. were way there were no way, way. Other, way too many other no. things that killed the Orioles. No way. Yes. In the, in the latter half of his career, maybe I'll agree with you. But in the prime of his career between 1984 85, we'll say that's the prime, right? Up until 94, Cal was one of the top players. Cal came back after 94. Were his numbers as great from a year-to-year basis? No. However, his numbers overall during that period are top-tier numbers. If Cal came numbers. in the league this, this, like in this era, 
he wouldn't be in the majors at all. There, there's a lot of guys. Oh, that's, that's, no, that's, that's, there's that's a lot of guys that you can try and sit there and that's say ludicrous. that, but it's it, the no. game is completely different. The it was awful. You, he was your, an awful your mindset, your he mindset was an awful of batter, dude. your mindset of Cal Ripken is like the last five Fuck. years of his career. What he did for the first 10, 15 years of his career, oh, like he, oh, oh, again, I, he won two MVP awards. I forgot he he played in like the best ballpark because it was hitter friendly. He played at Memorial Stadium for a decade almost. He played there for seven years prior to no, Camden he, Yards. He played 90, it was open in 92. He played there from 82. He played yes, there a, a, decade. a decade. A decade of his career was in Memorial Stadium, so you can't even use so that half, argument. So half. what I'm saying, his first 10 or 15 years, he played in a non-hitter friendly, not as, not as friendly hitter ballpark, and he put up two MVP awards in that time, 83 and 91. So I get it what you're saying. Listen. I don't think Cal Ripken is one of the greatest hitters of all time. If that's the argument, I, I will side with you. Dude, too many people get in the Hall of Fame, yes. But Cal Ripken is not in there, and it's not watered down because of Cal Ripken at yeah. all. It's, it, but did, did the, I'll agree. Did the streak help him? Yes. Yeah. Yes, but it did not make Cal right. Ripken. Cal Ripken made himself well, into let me the say, streak. Let me, let me just say, he was never should have been a first-round ballot. ballot. Well, the streak is what put him a put first, him first as ballot. a first ballot. A hundred percent agree with you. If that streak ends at a thousand games and it never happens, but he still puts up those numbers, he's a outside second or of the third street, ballot hall of He's famer. a second or third year ballot. But first ballot, no, the streak is what put him in there. So this whole conversation, and the reason I wanted to bring this up is because this got me thinking about just how impressive that streak was, right? But there when I started looking at this, there are so many. There's a lot of impressive like sports streaks and records out there. When I really started going through this, I wanted to get your take and let's go down. I'm going to go down the list of all of these impressive feats. And I want to, I want you to give me your top three, your top three, most impressive and the streaks that will be the toughest to beat. Okay. All right. So obviously you've got hit cows consecutive, consecutive game streak, 2,632. Brett Favre. To put this in NFL perspective, Brett Favre has a consecutive NFL game streak of 297 straight, over 18 straight seasons played. 321 if you count the playoffs, but that's 18 seasons straight when you talk about 16 season, yeah. 16 game regular season. Joe DiMaggio's 56 game hit streak. By the way, equivalency of that with the Brett Favre, 18 yeah. games. That's the equivalency of Cal's streak, literally. Well, Cal's was 16. 16, if you take 2,632, divide it by six, uh, divide it by 162 games, it comes out to 16 seasons. I already did the math okay. on it. It's, in, right. the, it's in the note there. I'm going it. year to year. That's why. I'm uh, that way. Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hit streak. Boston Celtics won eight consecutive NBA titles. Wilt Chamberlain, obviously famous for having 100 points in a game. We saw Kobe get kind of close when he hit 81 that yeah, one Yeah, but year. Kobe also had the three-point line. Wilt didn't. That's a very good point. And he was still 19 points off. Yeah. Right? Wayne Gretzky, total career points, 2,857 career points. Yarmir Yager, who's second, is like 936 behind him. I think he's still playing, weirdly enough. I think he's like 54 no, years old. I think he finished last year. Did he it, finally finish? I think he finished or he's in the Russian League. One of the okay. two. I mean, that man is just a, a marvel of not, not retiring the <laughs> hockey. It's insane. Emmett Smith, 18,355 career rushing yards. Jerry Rice, 22,000. This is crazy. Jerry Rice, 22,895 career receiving yards. 
Larry Fitzgerald's second, and he's still 5,000 behind. I don't know if he'll make that. He's kind of getting to the end of his career, but he did get Kyler Murray, so maybe that's a spark to end his career. We'll see. Cy Young, 511 career wins. 96 more than anybody in history. 96 more. It's crazy. The UConn women's basketball team. Shout out to the ladies. UConn's women's basketball team. Won 111 straight games. That's fucking impressive. <laughs> Pardon crazy. my language. I mean, that's just how dominant they've been as a, as a you know, team for so long. Pistol Pete, right? Guy played before we were ever fans of basketball. But in NCAA, he averaged his career 44.2 points per game in college basketball. Again, before a three-point line. Nolan Ryan, Nolan Ryan, 5,714 career strikeouts. It's more than 1,000 more than anyone else. He need to put in his uh, no-hitters, too. Right. Yeah, that's one I didn't even think of. That's a, that's a good one, too. Yeah. Michael Phelps, 23 Olympic gold medals. 28 medals in total, but 23 Olympic gold medals specifically. Mm. Nine It's more. the next most, yeah. Nine, yeah, you're right. Next nine. most is nine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> More than two and a half times anybody else. And then keeping with the holiday as it was July 4th, uh, Joey Chestnut. Ah, yeah. 13, baby. 13 straight wins for Joey Chestnut. <laughs> well, that's straight, but 13 wins. 13 so I know wins total. it's a laundry list of records, and it's really hard to narrow this down. But give me your top three toughest that you think will never be beat again. Ah, uh, geez. Um, I'm going to start with number three. And I think that's Wilt. Yeah, okay. I, I think that 100 game, I mean, to sh- we all know what kind of player Kobe was. And Kobe got to 81 with a three-point line. Right. Uh, Michael Jordan never touched it. LeBron James never touched it. Yet. He's done after this year. He ain't going to touch it this year. I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> Unless they just stand and let him go up and down the court, he ain't going to beat it. All right, so that's your number three. So Will's number three. Jerry Rice, number two. I mean, 22,000 receiving yards in a high-contact sport. And Larry Fitzgerald, we all know because we've, we, we've known Larry Fitzgerald over the past decade and right. a half. We know what kind of, of receiver he is. He's 5,000 behind Jerry. Yeah. I, I, I think that could be one of, the, one of the more untouchables. I think the most untouchable... I'm going to surprise some people with this statement. UConn, 111 consecutive wins. That is the hardest. 111 times you went and said, we're going to be better than you and proved it. Yeah. I mean, listen, it, it, it's hard to pick three off this list. That's why I threw you under it, the bus it, first. It, it's it's it hard, hard because all these records are, are super hard. But I'm all right. I'll go the same way you did. I'll go backwards. I'll go three. Uh, so my third is going to be Brett Favre's consecutive streak, two, okay. 297 straight. High contact Again, sport. High yeah. contact sport, okay. a position that players are are constantly getting hurt at. Uh, and to do that 18 straight years, that's insane. Yeah. So that's, that's my number three. Uh, my number two is going to be Nolan Ryan. 5,714 career strikeouts. Yeah. Again, 1,000 more than anybody else. Who, who do you see on the radar of coming in after that in our lifetime? Not going to happen. And then I am going to take Cal Ripken as the toughest to break. 2,632 games. Again, 
When you look at like National League, for instance, right? The National League record holder is Steve Garvey, who had 1,207 games from 1975 to 1983, right? 1,200. That's half of what Cal did over his career. There's nobody even sniffing 1,000 games right now. Nobody even sniffing 800 games right now. Yeah. There's no way in our lifetime that Cal Ripken's baseball streak will be broken. With the way things are going, I, I can I can see that. I can see that argument. He would definitely be in my top five. I just said, because the other ones are just straight impressive. Yeah, right? I mean, they are. And, and it's no discredit to any of the choices that you made, the UConn streak. Like, that's going to be tough to break. That's why I say you it's could, hard to pick. You three. could argue this in multiple different ways. I, I think the one the one thing that we both left off, but I had to, I put it on here as like a, a caveat one. Right. Because it's Baltimore. Did you know there's been over 2,300 games Played at Camden Yards. No, I did not know that. Nobody's ever hit the warehouse in game. <laughs> Is this another <laughs> Griffey stat? <laughs> it's been 2,200 games since Griffey hit the warehouse. Uh, Could, uh, and that, that leads to a no, question. I, I know. I wouldn't even pull that, though. I don't know how you found that. <laughs> a lot uh, of math. Oh, you okay. had to do the math yourself. <laughs> That's how of much math. of a dedicated Ken Griffey Jr. fan you are. That's great. But think about that. In over 25 years, this man is the only man to ever hit it, and he couldn't even do it in game. Yeah. And we played them multiple times at home, and he wasn't able to. It was, I had to serve the ball. Somebody had to serve the ball up to him with the intention that he needed to hit a home run in order for him to hit the warehouse. Uh. So I asked this question because we talk about un Unbreakable. I think it deems to ask the question, and I, we can. Well, I don't want to go too long on this, I, but I I'm want to get everybody's attention. Can, <laughs> I'm going to blow your mind here in a minute. Boom! <laughs> can anybody, left-hander, or right-hander, hit the warehouse? Chris Davis does it this year. That's Have you seen? Okay, I need a are new you host. I'm telling you, <laughs> listen to me. Chris Davis is the strongest, strongest left-handed hitter in the last 20 years at, at, for the Orioles. The okay, strongest. For the Orioles, okay, yes. for the Orioles yes. you better you better. Dick, have you seen the comparison pictures from what Chris Davis was last year, this time last year, to what he is this year? Yes. He's like 40 pounds heavier, and it's straight muscle. Because right? he thought last year he needed to lose weight. In order right. to stay and it, healthy and it, because he was getting older. And it killed him. It killed yeah. his numbers. And everything that everybody was talking about, you guys all know I'm not a Chris Davis fan, and I'm not out there saying that Chris <laughs> Davis like... is going to hit 200 this year. I don't even think he's going to hit 200. Joe but what I will juice. say, what I will say, and maybe it is juice, <laughs> what I will say, though, is Chris Davis will at least run into 10 or 15 home runs in this shortened season. And I think one of those, because there's no fans – Right there's the air is is maybe a little bit thinner because you know the fans aren't there bogging it down that kind of thing that ball flies out and no, I think it hits the warehouse. That's, that's completely that goes completely against baseball because humidity is what is what raises the humidity level and all the people. <sighs> yeah, but it's already we're talking about July, well, the end of July and August, so it's the hottest time of the year. Yes, but you're not having the, all those extra bodies in hottest that time area. of the year when he's the freshest. Right, right, it's the beginning but, of the year when he's the freshest. And you also, and it's don't, the hottest you also time. don't have all the fans breathing and lifting the air. Maybe, up more. maybe. But either way, I think with the added what? muscle, he runs. Hold on, one. let me. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna prove. I'm gonna prove that point of Griffey. 
When is one of the two times Orioles Stadium has been most packed? Uh, All-Star game and... All-Star home run derby specifically for that year. Or derby. And then the probably the ALCS. Was the ALCS when we played against the, uh, the Indians? Oh. Yes. Oh, no, you know what? I was going to say the Actually, Yankees, Actually, uh, when we played the, the Tigers, because during the Tigers series, I don't remember if they did this back in the... When we played the Indians, they had bleachers out over top of the scoreboard to get more fans packed into the stadium. Guess I don't know what, if they did that during that. Guess what happened in 92 when those bleachers were actually larger and held more people? What? What are you talking about? 92. They put bleachers in for, for the All-Star game? The All-Star game and the All-Star Home Run Derby. Well, of course. They're going to try to pack as many people. I was saying, I loop all that together. The Home yeah. Run Derby, the weekend, All-Star weekend, and then either... The yeah. 2014 Te- season or the 97 Technically, season. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Technically, they put it in for the All-Star game. The All-Star Home Run Derby, they actually didn't have them there because there was concern of fans falling off during that. But they, there was st- they still allowed literally the same amount of people in there. James. Real quick. <clears throat> the one per- two people that I think that could probably hit it. One, I think Aaron Judge can hit it. And he's right-handed. The second person that I think that could have hit it if you were played in the American League, I think Barry Bonds could have hit it. Oh, I do. I agree with that. And but he that didn't, ship he didn't. sailed. <laughs> I'm just saying he played. He played nationally, but I think if he played in the AL East, he probably would hit that wall in a game. And Chris is back on Adderall. I'm not even sure who said that. Is that you that said that? Yeah, Chris is back on Adderall. But here's what I'm. Here's the only argument I'm going to say to that. Right, when Barry Bonds was playing, the AL East was also the toughest pitching division. In Major League Baseball. It doesn't matter. He's best, no, it does best matter. Hitter. He's the best hitter in the game. Because he was going against par and subpar pitching in the West Coast in the National League. Are you kidding me? I don't care. Ha- that man, that got a hold of a ball. That ball is how, how much money are you going to give me if Chris Davis hits it, though? I just want to know. I got I to gotta get something for it. I'll give you $100. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I don't know why I feel it. I, I, I do not believe in Chris Davis that he's going to come out here and two, hit 200 or 230 or anything like that. But I got to believe that when he runs into the ball, a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while <laughs> with that added strength and the lack of fans in the, again, the freshest time for him, beginning of the year, is the hottest time of the year. I think that ball carries, and he plucks one. Too bad. Uh, maybe so bad. it's like maybe it's like the natural, right? He shatters a window, and the fans go, oh, that's right. He's going to go no home. Fans. He's going to go home this year. He's <laughs> not, not going to play. Uh, I'll sit at home. Hit the cardboard in the window. <laughs> I'll, buy, I'll buy you an over $100 bottle. Joe says a bushel of crabs, and I'd be down okay. for that. All right, I'll, 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 I'll do that. A bushel right, of crabs. A bushel of crabs. A bushel of crabs. Hold on, hold on. What does Scott get? Scott, for what? He's got to pick a player. <laughs> he's got to pick a player or something. No one's going to. Just, you're just saying that. He he's said nobody's ever or he were whatever no, he, w- said. he said. It would have been hit if Barry Bonds playing it. He said it's, it's well, one of, he put Barry it up Bonds there as one of the hardest here, streaks huh? to ever break. I think not only Barry is Chris going to do it, he's going to do it this year. It was, <laughs> it was nothing but playing every game. Like Chris Davis has a lot of games and he failed. Just saying. It's, it's it's different. Yes, you're invited, if, Joe. If you if you play in the AL East, you're here at least, especially if you're in the, in the American uh, East <laughs> side. You're you're here what like 12, 16 games at right. home. Yeah, I, yeah. I look. I if I'm gonna pick somebody, Aaron Judge can hit that. Yeah, I agree with that. If Aaron Judge was left-handed. Could. Yeah. You, did you see? Did you see? A Rod said Aaron Judge is the next big thing. 
No, not Aaron Judge. Yeah, Aaron Judge said he's he's the next big thing, and someone was like, "Whatever." What, what about careless? Um, I forget what he's. Uh, someone. I'm uh, gonna throw a weird name out there. Uh oh. All right. Shohei Otani. Oh Jesus! That's oh, another one. He, he's a left-hander. He's left-hander. He's got decent power. Decent. But you're just talking. You were just putting the category of hitting the warehouse I, in like an unbreakable <laughs> record, <laughs> and now you're going to put a guy with decent power to say he's going to do it. A guy with decent power that can actually make contact. Chris Davis is a much more powerful hitter <laughs> than Joey Atani will. Chris Davis does it. So before we end this Orioles segment, uh. right? Got got to throw this out there. We missed it, uh, but the other day it was uh, Bobby Bonilla Day. July first. July 1st, Bobby Bonilla Day. Hey, day. Happy Bobby Bonilla Day. Every July 1st from 2011 through 2035, the New York Mets have to dole out $1.19 million to Bobby Bonilla. To put that in perspective, when this new 10-year contract is done for Pat Mahomes, guess who's still getting paid? <laughs> Bobby Bonilla. Bobby Bonilla. Bobby Bonilla. That is absolutely crazy. He started receiving the pay- the payments when he was 48, uh, and they're not going to stop until he's 72. That's a pretty nice retirement plan. Yeah, that's a really nice retirement. But, <laughs> see, he set up he set up for a lot of guys to be able to get contracts like this. Yeah, right? Chris Davis. Yeah, we're, we all know Chris Davis. Ugh. But, like, some of the lesser knowns, like some of the guys that are out of the league already and still doing this, right? So we, I brought up Griffey. Griffey gets 3.6 from the Reds. Through 2024, mind you, he last played in 2008. Yep. Right. So not not as far as a distance, but it's still there. You have Bruce Sutter for the Braves, who gets 1.12 million. Ichiro, who gets five million plus 5.5 percent interest. <laughs> Literally, did you know that this year, per diem or like per the year, Ichiro will be one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid player in MLB. Ichiro's not. One of the highest paid players in MLB might be one of the highest players no. on their salary this year, as far as what money is being doled out. Ichiro uh, is one of the top, if not the top guy, that is getting the most physical money into his bank. So account does he this not year. get a prorated amount? Then he gets no, that full five point five because it was deferred, guaranteed. Wow, so that makes sense then. Okay, yeah. I got gotcha. you. So a lot of these guys fit under this. Manny Ramirez is getting over two million from the Red Sox. <laughs> Uh, Bonilla, we talked about his 1.19. He's also getting from the Mets and the Orioles another quarter of a million, yeah. 250 grand. Uh, Todd Helton from the Rockies, he's getting 1.13 plus a 3% interest. Matt Holiday is getting 1.4 from the, the cards. And also from the Mets, I seem to see a pattern with the Mets. Yeah, they're stupid. <laughs> Johan Santana. This one is the one that I was like, what? Johan Santana, 5.5 million. Johan! How? Why? When was he ever that good? The Mets will met. He was good when he was in Minnesota. <laughs> and then he sucked, and then he had injuries. Stop. He had a couple of good years with the New York Mets. Stop deferring contracts, Mets. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, Brian, it's time for our social media shout-out. Who's been out there? Who's been chiming in? I saw Carlozo. Got it right. Jessica, Justin, Kaylee, Ryan, Jason, uh, Garnett, and of course we already said Joe, Joe Carlozo. Uh, so one of the comments we were talking about, uh, one of the things I wanted to break was Nolan Ryan had 12 no-hitters. Yeah. In the decade of how the MLB treats their pitchers right now, where you have a dedicated 100 pitch count, 
I don't think that's ever going to be touched. That's just one of the things that's I'm going to bring a, up. Yeah, hey, I know. James had mentioned that earlier. Yeah, I wasn't sure what that 12. number is. That's that's and a pretty la- damn and impressive number. the last number. one that he threw, he was 41 years old. Wow, 41 yeah. years old and throwing a no-hitter. I just thought that was Unreal. quite impressive. Unreal. Uh, one of the things that Garnett brought up about the Kansas City Chiefs, Chris Jones is going to need to get paid on that defense out there. Yeah. So that That is one on guy. That? that might be Chris Jones because he's going to be one of the top paid players at his position. He yeah. might be one of those guys that either – is going to be strung along with a franchise tag type deal for a couple of years like the Ravens are doing with Matt Judon right now uh, and like they did with with Terrell Suggs for a while. Yeah. And kind of see how this cap situation plays out. Maybe they get to sign him in two or three years from now. Who knows? We'll and, see. And talking about uh, underdogs for, for the sacks for the Ravens, uh, talking about the whole uh, North Division, Tyus yeah. Bowser, do you see him potentially? Hell no. I saw, I think it was Garnett. Garnett that brought that Yeah, too, Garnett yeah. brought it. I got a lot of respect for you, Garnett. You know I got a lot of love for you, brother. <laughs> Stop smoking Tyus the Tyus Bowser, <laughs> what kind of leap are you expecting for him? That's like a quantum <laughs> leap. We're questioning Derek. whether Tyus Bowser even makes this roster for yeah. God's sake. I, I figured Derek Wolf he would have thrown out there, not Tyus Bowser, yeah, man. Yeah, Tyus Bowser. Yeah, Derek Wolf. he was somebody I was considering putting on there but i think i think we'll see the bigger jump from calais campbell he's going to be excited to play in this defensive front uh and i think wink martindale will be able to get the most out of him all right scott it's time for our shell and tell segment for the week are you crying for the segment <sighs> you know i wasn't that upset about it because okay. i I, like I said, I didn't have high expectations. If you said you were, I was going to smack you upside the head going, what the hell were you thinking was going to happen? No, uh, no. If you're a Terps fan and you don't know or haven't been listening or you just under a Live rock, in a hole. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Caleb Williams, the five-star quarterback out of D.C. that we've been real high on that had narrowed his choices down to Oklahoma, LSU, and Maryland, uh, decided to go with Oklahoma. And I can't blame him. Uh, he did no. the kind of whole, you know, LeBron decision thing, making his announcement on uh, July 4th on a national holiday, waited till 9 o'clock when all the fireworks are going off. Look at me, right? Uh, and he put out this two-minute video of him walking around D.C., got Ryan all excited. Ryan's like, oh, man, he's in D.C. Like, this is definitely going to be the terms. Like, no, he's from D.C., Ryan. Yeah. Just hold on for a second. And then two seconds later, he's rocking the, the Sooners jersey and the Sooners hat. Uh, look, I'm not going to talk bad about the kid, uh, because I still have hopes that maybe not this year, maybe next year, maybe two years from now that we still might see this guy end up in a Terp uniform on a transfer. I I was going to say, like, that's the one thing that you have to think about is right. This is a guy that's going to, uh, uh, the Sooners who already have their quarterback for at least the next year, if not two years, at least two years. So it's what uh, Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler. He was the the big five star recruit last year uh, that was on the QB one show with with, with Lance, Lance Lejean. Yeah, uh, total doucher. Uh, <laughs> and do a not, half. Don't like the kid at all. But there's no denying his talent. Uh, oh, he I has mean, talent. Yeah, su- super talented kid. But you know the 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 NCAA rule is you have to or the NCAA slash NFL rule is you have to be three years removed from high school before you can enter the NFL draft. Last year, he was a redshirt freshman uh, at Oklahoma. So he's at least got to play two years at Oklahoma. Right. How long does Caleb want to wait? Right? Caleb comes here. It's potentially a three-way fight for the job his first year. What the fuck are you smoking three-way fight? 
Three-way fight, I mean, you've got Talia, you got Lance, you've got some four-star guys that are in there. We're not talking about Josh Jackson. We're not talking say, about Josh you Jackson. You better not be saying it's hell, a fight with Josh Jackson. Hell no. Hell oh, no. Oh, my God. You had me having a heart attack. <laughs> I have a Maryland shirt on today, and I'm like, what the hell are you going with this? <laughs> Jesus. No, no. But listen, I, you can't write off the quarterbacks that we have. I know we all want the biggest name out there. We want the best of best because we want the best for our team, right? But yeah. The Terps are in a position right now where they've got two quarterbacks on a level that they haven't had this type of talent at that position in over a decade. They haven't had this no. kind of name, this kind of these kind of these kind of abilities in over a decade and they both bring different things to the table. You know, Lance Lejean, again, he was on that QB1 show. He's the dual threat quarterback. He I'm not going to compare him to Lamar cuz I don't think he he has the running game, yeah. ability of a Lamar, but he absolutely can scramble and absolutely will get a lot of he, rushing yards in college. He, he he's a guy that it reminds you a little bit of, you know, to an extent an, an Aaron Rodgers style. He can he's mobile. He's a mobile quarterback that can throw on he can throw like on the who? Run. Aaron Rodgers. No, nah, I like to compare it to Aaron Rodgers. He's much more. I'm saying he's he's more like a Kyler Murray. He's more. He's a very good mobile quarterback. I, Lamar is on another level compared to that's, even that's, some I'm of the better. Like, but it, but he does have a solid. Lance Lejean does have a solid arm. The, the mm. issue the issue that we both took last year was we actually wanted to see at the end of the year we wanted to see more of Lance Lejean. Yeah, and we didn't get to. Yeah. and that's my one worry is that. Talia comes in and takes over, and Lance Lejean isn't given a chance. I, I think I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be an open battle for the quarterback position for 2020, if there is a season. Uh, Lance Lejean deserves a shot for it, yeah. and he put a tweet out, which this kid, usually when you watch him on social media, some of his tweets that he puts out there, you're like kind of questionable. He put a tweet out there. He told Coach, challenge accepted. To me, that means he's ready to put in the work. He's ready to put in the time. And we talked uh, with Ellis McKenney in the interview about Lance, and Lance said, look, there's no doubt, like no questioning yeah, Alice, this Alice kid's Lance, talent. Lance, yeah. yeah, there's no questioning this kid's talent. The only question is his commitment both on the field and off the field. Like he's got to mature a little bit in that way, but, and I he's mean, young. I mean, that's the thing, though. is That comes with a lot of freshmen. It is few and far between that these freshmen come in. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of these kids come in, and the first year is a giant party. Right. Right? You know, especially, I mean, let's be real. He's a, he's a redshirt freshman. They already have an idea of what games they're going to have him play in. Right. And, you're, you know, you need to be ready. But that's not, that tells him, okay, I don't necessarily need to be in great shape, so I can go to this party. Yeah. I can go to that party. I can go hang out with these guys. And go that's what happens with these that's my my opinion is the red shirt shit needs to go away. It needs to stop because of because of the fact that it puts these kids in a mentality that I don't need to work. Yes, does it separate the the elite from the the average? Absolutely the red shirt does. But what it teaches these kids is I'm only going to get so many and if you're telling me I'm going to get these three games then I don't need to put in as much work on these games, and in the offseason, I can adjust. The, the red shirt isn't about separating the the average from the elite. The, the red shirt is about 
creating more opportunity for all the players, right? If you put someone in a red shirt, that gives them an extra year of eligibility while somebody else is using their eligibility up and allows them to have that extra year. This is your college career. There's no guarantee that you're going to play at a professional level, right? This is the last stop for most, for most players. This is where your football career ends. So the red shirt is to allow players to develop right, to get a little bit more mature, whether it's a body thing, whether it's a mental thing, and it allows them to hang on to that extra year of eligibility, which is exactly why we didn't see more well, of Lance last but year. But if you don't give a guy a chance, how do you know what you have? I'm, so, I'm sorry, I 1,000% I compl- I disagree. If you don't give the guy the ability, if a guy comes in as a freshman and can outplay your junior quarterback, which I think could have happened last year, in in over you over do Josh not Jackson. want to expose expose Lance Lejean in the little bit of exposure that he had he separated his shoulder. You put him out there for any length of time behind that crap of an O line. Sorry, Ellis, but outside of you, the offensive line last year played like crap. You put then you're risking his entire career, right? If you knew going into last year, your chances of just even being a bowl eligible team were slim. Why are you going to race the best quarterback? That you've had in it probably so then, okay, a decade. So then, so then the argument, argument of a year becomes, of eligibility. The argument doesn't become development. Your argument. No, becomes, you're still developing him. Your argument becomes safety. Nah, it's 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 twofold. It's you're developing him because he's still getting in his practices. He's still working through the playbook, and it's a big jump for these guys to go from high school to a collegiate level, right? It's a big jump for them. Some are mature enough, and some work in better offensive systems in high school that the jump isn't as difficult, right? Lance. Had a little bit of a big head about himself. He just came off of a Netflix series right. that showcased his talents and all of that, right? So there's that immaturity just because he's young and he was popular and everybody knew who he was and all that stuff. Again, you go into a situation at the University of Maryland where he didn't have to go. He had an offer to go to Florida State. Yeah. He chose to come here. How'd that work out for Florida State in the past year and a half? Well, Florida State wishes they probably had him. They'd be in a lot better situation going into this year than they are you don't right know, now. You don't know what you have, so you can't make that statement. Well, no, I'm just saying that he would be a better option for them than what they that they what their current what they current had. Yeah, okay, I got right. All right, I see where you're going with that. So that that's my whole point. So my point is, don't get too down on the whole Caleb Williams situation. We've got a couple of good pieces. We haven't even talked about Talia, right? Talia is the more complete quarterback, in my opinion. I think his mobility is severely underrated. Uh, a lot of people don't look at him as a mobile quarterback, but in, in high school, if you go watch his tape, his offensive line was atrocious, and he had to run around all the time, and he did a damn good job of doing it, again, against high school talent. But I think his mobility will work yeah. at the collegiate level in the Big Ten. Uh, and then I think he comes in day one, and he's the best thrower on campus. He's got the most accuracy. I think he throws the best deep ball. Lance Lejean, the biggest question out of him is the zip on the ball is can he make all the throws, right? It's not so much an accuracy thing. It's more so the the zip on the ball, the strength behind the ball, which is also part of the reason why the strength and conditioning program and redshirting can help him because he can build the strength. He can build the arm strength and, you know, hopefully grow in that sense. I see where you're going with that. Uh, So I think Talia's got a legit shot at potentially being the starting quarterback this year if the waiver comes through and he's allowed to play this year. So if that happens, is do, could we potentially see Lance Lejean transfer out? Good. You very well could. Uh, because I'll be honest with you. I mean, again, right now we're seeing kids hop in and out of the transfer portal 
like they're hopping in an Uber. I mean, it's yes. it's that easy to get in and get out of a transfer portal right now. And when you got a four star quarterback, he's going to he get sucked up right like, away. Right, and and Talia, he's not going to be an NFL ready quarterback next year. No, so he's at least going to play a couple years here at College Park. And if he gets blocked day one, and Talia goes out there and starts performing well, Lance may say, "Well, shit, what am I going to do?" Like a lot of quarterbacks do, and just transfer out. So we may see that. Yeah. He'll transfer out. He'll transfer out to a, this a, a is, Division Two school or something. This like is that. why you constantly got to be building. You constantly got to have a bench of talent coming in, a stream of talent coming in. Uh, so, I'm I'm high on Lance Lejean and I'm high on Talia uh, Tugavaloa. I think both of these kids can come in as long as it's not Josh Jackson. I'm happy. As long as Josh Jackson keeps his ass on the bench and he doesn't see the broad side of the barn, I'm happy. I mean. Is there any reason to have him? I'm not saying he shouldn't come out. Yeah, this year, you right? absolutely have to have him for depth purposes because you have him. But is is there any reason to put it? Like I can't think of any reason outside of Lance Lashon and Tolia getting injured. There is no reason, in my opinion, for Josh Jackson to start any game this year only game that i would even consider starting him on senior game maybe senior day senior day and it's literally maybe the first possession and that's it after that bring him out the only way he should well, see maybe the field, he gets into the first quarter but that's it the only way he should see the field is in a blowout or in an injury situation which i hope knock on wood never happens to this team right i hope it doesn't yeah i mean it's it, it this i'm really curious to see how this this year plays out because it there's it's so sad because There's a lot of X factors. When you when you look at what he did last year in the first two games against Howard and Syracuse, it looked good. I mean, he averaged seventy one points a game. We were we were both <laughs> us and Ryan were all kind of like, look at this kid. Look it, at this guy. It, it goes to show like how short our memory was. He averaged in those first two games seventy one points again against Syracuse. Howard, I get it. Syracuse was a tough opponent. Was yeah. a very tough opponent. Was a very big opponent. Ryan and I were at that game. These guys were huge. And they were able to shred this team, got the Terps into the top twenty-five. Yeah, like we, I think we were at number twenty-one after that. And uh, then the, the wheels—the <laughs> wheels just fell off. He had a rough game against Temple, which I think he got a little banged up in. But he had got four sacks in that game. Uh, he just never recovered after that, and yeah. you could tell. Just the the difference in his psyche and his mental, like mentally ev- and physically, yeah. everything changed with this guy. It, it looked like he was throwing the football at times with his eyes closed. Like that's how off <laughs> some of these passes were. I'm they, not saying that to be funny. It legit they, looked like no. It. They were pretty. They were pretty bad. I mean, they 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 were as if you were throwing blind, literally. I mean, and Joe's right. We got curb stomped by Penn State. I had a hell of a time. I had a fun time. It was a great tailgate. Was awesome. The game sucked. It was over yeah. like in five minutes, man. Yeah, the game sucked. Yeah. Oh, don't worry, James. He's already commented saying how how good Penn State looks. Da, da, da. We're, we've ignored that yeah, all those comments. We'll Joe said they should have won um, the Temple game. Yes, they yeah. should have won the Temple game. Not because of of Josh Jackson, but they definitely should have won that yeah, game. Yeah, they, they killed themselves in that game. Uh, before we get away from Shell and Tell, I did need to bring up uh, bat, on the basketball side of things. It's nothing current, right? But it, it, it does involve a former Terp. Yeah. Because the, the, baske- the basketball tournament, as they're calling it, TBT, uh, has started taking place. It's the first true like live team sport in the U.S. that we're seeing. 
You turned it on the uh, other day. I, I talked like, to you. I was talking to you yesterday about it. Like, I didn't even know what it was. I just saw that it said live at the top of my screen, and guys were playing basketball. I was like, oh, cool. I'll watch this because the first thing for sports that I've been able to watch, and I don't know how long. And then I started seeing some of these guys, and I'm like, okay, some of these names I've never heard of. Some of them look like familiar names familiar, from, like, back in college or something. I, and that's, that's exactly what a lot of these guys are. So a lot of these guys in this tournament. So here's the thing. Anybody can put together any team. Let's do it. We're fucked. <laughs> Fat boy specials. Let's do it. You're down low. James is the center. I'm sideline. <laughs> You're water boy. Yeah, right, we'll throw I'm Ryan the in there. We'll throw Ryan in there at power forward. I'll play the five, but I'm just standing I'll play in point one guard, spot. I guess. I'm not moving. I'm just standing. All I do is defend the rim. I'll try That's to it. pop off some threes for us. Hold that? on. Hold on. I got the Blake last name. I can shoot those threes. There you go. Oh, there you go. I like it. I like his thought. But, uh, but this was cool, man. I started looking through like some of the rosters and whatnot, and there were some familiar names. It's a lot of college athletes. So uh, Diamond Stone specifically, he's playing for the team Sideline Cancer. So this tournament, it, it winds up being the winner. It's a winner-take-all million-dollar tournament, right? Winner-take-all. These guys all have a portion of it. Diamond Stone's a 70. He gets going to get 75 grand out of it. Um, it's It winds up being a, a team, you know, a set, a set of guys that couldn't quite make it in the NBA, couldn't quite make it in like the G League and really struggle on everything else. Ryan, it, Ryan actually brought it up because I know you and I talked about this. We were like, man, I can't believe the Terps don't have a team because there's so many good Terp alumni basketball players that they could have a very good team. Ryan says it's usually 64 teams. There was going to be a Terp team this year, but COVID screwed us. COVID screwed us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there was going to be we, a Terps team. We were going to we were going to say that Ryan should have put together a Terps team, and we're we're disappointed. But next year, so here's the <laughs> so here's the interesting. So I talked about Diamond Stone, right? He scored 19 points in the game the other day. Fairly good, right? Six rebounds, eh? Two blocks, eh? All through 26 minutes, still should have stayed in college. Yeah, uh, he wound up getting injured. Yeah, in the game. So go figure. Common common thread with Diamond Stone. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I saw it. This whole thing made me start looking, and that's what I brought it up to you. This this tournament is actually really interesting. Yeah, because when you look at it, they do it's a million dollar tournament. Five percent of that, or fifty grand, is put aside for fans that are quote unquote invested in the team. From what I could read, and we didn't get this far because it's already been passed. But up until June twenty third, you could. You could invest in a team, right? Invest you, financially. That's what I don't know because everything was saying like no purchase necessary. So I think it's like you would just have to follow the team. So you just pick a team essentially and you win a little bit of money. If they win the whole thing, the team that wins the whole thing, whatever team. So let's just say I'm for, for sake of 50, 50 grand, right? 50 grand. Let's say 10 people pick that team. You split 50 grand 10 ways. It's a nationally televised tournament. I'm pretty sure more than 10 people are going to pick a team. There were teams that had 61 people. The The pot was like 820 bucks, specifically for sideline cancer. You pick that team as the team you want to follow and you want to back. Interesting. You get 820 bucks. That's kind of cool. Even if you even if you have to support them and say you have to put in a minimum of 20 bucks. Right. Let's just say that. A potential $820 return on your investment? Yeah. I wonder how short the, the time frame is to, like, get your pick in and all that. I tell you what, based on what I saw, I'm going to, I personally, I'm going to be paying attention next year. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Like I said, the one game that I watched was pretty entertaining. It came down to the last minute. I don't remember the team names it played, but uh, it was a lot of fun. I did hear that uh, one team, at least one team, uh, was eliminated because somebody contracted the virus. Yeah, and so it was ever- a pretty pretty highly rated team. I think they were the fourth or fourth fifth, or fifth rated team. team. Yeah. Uh, and they had to go home, unfortunately. Yeah, so the, there's, there's a lot of different teams. It's quite interesting. And you, you can also, the interesting thing about this is it's different because it's the first team to 92 points. So there's really, there's no true time limit to the game. They do have like a halftime and everything. But there's really no true time limit. It's the first team to 92 points wins. Really? Yeah. Or it's, it, I think, man, I might be wrong on this. I At least the, the game that I, I watched think, was just silent I cancer. think it's, it might be. The first team, the ninety-two, if it does, if time doesn't run out, I think because I thought I saw some games that were like seventy-one to sixty-nine or seventy-four to seventy-three. Maybe or maybe like that. it is time time run out. The 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 sideline cancer game, they won ninety-three to ninety-one, wow. and it, it was literally they hit the, they it was ninety-one ninety-one. They hit the the jumper inside the arc, game over. That was it. Pretty awesome. And they said it's the first team time ninety-two. So I thought it was pretty was awesome. I'm gonna be checking it out. In the in the next year, or so for sure. All right, man. It's time for this week's rundown, and uh, we got a lot of things to talk about in the rundown. So we're gonna try. We're, try we, to, are, we are approaching. Let's preface this that we are approaching the rundown a little bit differently than we have been in the past because yeah. we're trying to limit this. So we're gonna put like a, a, a ten minute time limit on the full rundown. Right. So Brian, Brian, and James, you guys are in charge. Uh, keep us on that time. Ten minute time limit here. <laughs> Uh, All right, so let's start this off. We talked about Cam Newton signing with the Patriots last week. Uh, Nine quarterbacks in total have moved on to new teams this offseason that were week one starters from last year, 2019. Right. Who do you think is poised to have the best season with this new team? Now, I know there's there's a lot of names on this list that probably won't amount to crap this year if they're new teams, but there are four in general, one of which probably jumps off to most people pretty easily. You mean the four back here? The four back here, right? So you got Cam with Belichick and the Patriots. That just happened. You got Brady and all the weapons and everything that he's got going on in Tampa Bay. You got Rivers going to Indianapolis uh, with a pretty good defense that they've got up there. A decent running game for them. Right. A very good offensive line, which he's never had in his career. (laughs) Uh, So that's that's good for him. You got Foles in Chicago probably taking over for Mitch Trubisky, uh, who also have a decent D. The other quarterbacks, you got Mariota going to, uh, to the Raiders, Dalton going to Cincinnati. Uh, or, I'm sorry, Dalton going to Dallas, Winston going to New Orleans, Flacco going to the Jets. These are all quarterbacks that started last year that moved on other teams, but more than likely won't see the football field unless well, these guys happens. are in the last year or two of their careers for, for some of them. Mariota is the one that, that the Mariota and Winston are the, the two that kind of go the opposite way. But out of those four, Cam, Brady, Rivers, and Foles, who has the biggest year first year? <sighs> biggest year first year. Um, Don't overthink it. Biggest, well, I guess, let me let me let me ask this question. I'm gonna, Who has I'm, the most success? Brady. You're overthinking it. It's Brady. A hundred percent is Brady. No, I, the reason I say that, the reason I, I struggle with that, is because of the exact. You one shouldn't of, be struggling. No, one of the exact points you just made, <laughs> Philip Rivers, yeah. who is a pretty damn good quarterback. Is going to an offensive line that he's never had. He's Agreed. never had the protection he's going to have this year. I could sell ketchup popsicles to a woman in white gloves. That's all I was doing. I was just selling you on Philip Rivers. Shut there. the hell up. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. I also, I also believe, believe a little in Foles magic. Oh, Jesus. You would. 
Get out of here. It's Tom Brady <laughs> and all the damn weapons that he's got down there and the mastermind that is uh, Bruce, Bruce Arians, Arians yeah. and that offense. Uh, yeah, hands down, it's Tom Brady. I, I don't Yeah, I don't think you can make an argument. I, I, like I said, I think there's an argument to me. Are the other guys going to be improved? Hell yeah, on all three fronts. Okay. All right, so the other big story from this week, uh, the Redskins uh, are being asked to change their names because a group pretty of sure they're not being asked i'm pretty sure they're being told all right they're being told because <laughs> a group of 87 investment firms and shareholders asked nike fedex pepsi to end their business relationship with the redskins unless they change their name uh nike ended up removing all the redskins memorabilia from their website Go everything Go try ahead. to search it Go ahead, try, search, search redskins james what happens when you search redskins negative exists. <laughs> nothing exists exactly uh, the three minority owners of the team, which makes up 40% of the ownership, Frederick Smith, uh, who's the founder of FedEx, Robert Rothman, and Dwight Schar, uh, are trying to sell their stake in the team because they're just about fed up with Daniel Snyder at this point. Like, the fact that this hasn't happened before, <laughs> the fact that it's got to, like, this has to happen in order for... Let me ask one question. Yeah. What the fuck took them so long? I don't know. I like, don't know. seriously, what the hell took you long to realize Daniel Snyder does not know what the fuck he's doing? It takes all the shit that's happening in our, our you know, world to say, oh, we don't want to be associated with the Redskins. It should have been long done before the whole Redskins are bad thing. Ryan says, shell intel investing. Hmm. I feel like a heavy portion of that investment is <laughs> probably coming from the Shamel household and not the Donahue. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I'm on a furlough of sorts, my friend. So I'm not invested <laughs> in shit. Uh, so anyway, Snyder Especially comes the out. Redskins. Yeah, Snyder finally comes out and says they're going to undergo a thorough review of the team name. Got <laughs> it. He's an idiot. Uh, the guy is a freaking asshat. So it, whatever. Uh, but listen, there's been a, a a ton of names and a ton of jersey. It's amazing to me how fast these people on like social media and whatnot come up with these team names and uniform designs and all that stuff. Uh, so there's been all these names that have floated out some there. Some good ones. Some, some good ones. I'll some decent credit. ones. You get the Red Tails, uh, the Warriors, the Skins, just short shortening it up. Right. Uh, Red Hawks, the Hogs, the Senators, the Senators, the Red Wolves. I saw today. Wait, hold on. Did you just say the Senators? The Senators. Wasn't that from the replacements? <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> there was the Washington Senators from the replacements. It was. Are we going to have Shane Falco show up? <laughs> Dwayne Haskins, you're on the sideline. Shane Falco, you're in. Yeah, right. <laughs> so out of all those names, what do you, what name do you like the most? What you know, or you know what? Even better yet, first off, do you agree that they should change the name? You don't have to go into why. I'm just asking. Do you agree that they should change the There's name? There's validity behind it. The argument has been around enough that I, I understand it. I get it. Okay. Go ahead and change the name. Yes. Brian, do you agree they should change the name? Yeah, they need to change the name. James, do you agree? I really don't care because they suck anyways. <laughs> I, I agree with that. <laughs> they absolutely suck. <laughs> the Washington and, sucks is what I just anyways, heard. Apparently, <laughs> apparently um, Daniel Snyder owns the rights to the Warriors already. Like, he has that, like, under his control. Who? The Warriors. The name Warriors. Yeah. Apparently, Snyder already has it. Like, it's like he owns the rights to that name. Even though the Golden State Warriors have it? Yeah, but it's something that he did when they were talking about all this. Like, he, he put it, like, as on the back burner. Like, they were talking about the other days. Right. He, he owns the rights to, like, the Warriors. It's going to be the same colors. They're going to just do different logos. It's just if he wants to go that way. And then someone, uh, I forget one of the uh, Capitals uh, players said it. It could be called the Capitals, too. 
Yeah, no, don't do no, that. No, let's not no, do that. Don't do I, I, okay, so I 100% agree that this should have been changed a long time ago. Not it, it We've been arguing this it, since before all this. This should have so, been yeah. changed decades ago, but whatever. They need to change it, and it needs to happen now. I think out of all of these names, personally, I like the Hogs. And the, only, the reason I say I like the Hogs is because that's what, like... The Browns are known for the dog pound, right? The the Redskins were known for their hogs, right? That completely gets rid of the offensive name, but keeps the culture of what the Redskin fans were, right? Like right now, the Redskin yeah. fans, the diehard Redskin fans, which I think there's like four out there, those four <laughs> fans are so pissed off and they're ready to boycott the games because shout out to they the don't Burgundy breakdown, by the way, because he's my buddy and he's a huge Redskins fan. <laughs> well, he might be one of those four. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> They're all upset right now because they're going to change their name. I think the way that you appease them, right, is by keeping a piece of their history involved in the name, and the Hogs is the easiest way to do that. Yeah, I think you have two two options here. You either keep you keep the colors, change everything else, or you keep the heritage, so to speak. The only issue with the heritage is it keeps the ties to the old team. If you're trying to create something, it quote, doesn't. Unquote, it doesn't. New. Yes, I, I know where you're going with that. I I like. There's two that I like. The one is the Hogs. I do like the Hogs. I think that makes it, it makes a lot of sense. Keeps the heritage, you know. Put a mean looking pig on the side of the I helmet. Say, there, there's been, I think, you know, I think there was uh, the somebody told me, and it may have it may have been my buddy from the Birdie. No, in the Redskins, they, they'll go with some kind they, of Charlotte's Web type bullshit. <laughs> some innocent looking little pig. Anyway. A buddy Nate from the Brady Break It Down, he, I think he was the one that told me there there might be like a tailgate that happens there that's called the Hog Pen. Okay. Right? So it, to your point, it goes right that's in what that they're theme, known for. right? Right. I like that one. The other one that, that I do actually like because I liked the logo that a few people came up with. It's different. We're in a time of change. I'm trying to recognize that. And it's the Red Tails. Yeah. There is a history there 100%. with fighting for the country. There is a history there with, with the black history, which we all know is they were very the first, prevalent. I think they were the first uh, aerial unit. Aerial like unit. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I, I think there's some history there. You can honor that. You can embrace that. The colors fit. You can make the colors fit in and work where you, there's not a lot of whole work with that. Right. Outside of the logo. The logo is probably your like biggest thing. The red tails, though, is like kind of counterintuitive of what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to we're get trying away to from get the away yeah. from the racial I, stuff and enough. get away from any kind of divide. And I, I get it that maybe like right now with everything that's going on, that might seem like the right move. But when you really take yourself back for a second and look at at the name changes, right? I feel like keeping it more like. PC and keeping it, you know, away from politics, keeping it away yes. from race at all, and just having it fun, like the Hogs or the Red Hawks or something that, that doesn't the have Sentinels. The Sentinels any work. kind of racial tone to it at all. Doesn't create any kind of so, division. So I'm surprised that you didn't bring up the Red Wolves. I like the Red Wolves. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate that name. I'm just picking one. I think the Hogs changes the name but keeps the history in a lot of ways and i think it appeases your fan base that you barely have yeah uh but it keeps those people happy brian but, james what do you think but but you can't do the hogs because they ain't gonna piss off the vegetarians man oh, so you're geez. gonna offend somebody so you can't go that route that's, that's, but no I I, I I do like the hogs though i like the whole history aspect i mean they've been there since the beginning so james i think they should just change the name and just 
get new color. Maybe they'll win more. Maybe that's <laughs> the other thing is maybe they just go with a, a complete identity change and they start fresh because maybe that's what they need as an organization. Lord knows that uh, hey, they could use some positivity. Hey, I, I just I think I they got the right coach this time though. I just right. I just heard that the uh, Sentinels there the colors are red, white, and blue. Nah. Uh, Makes sense. Maybe. All right, moving on. Last one. We're going to round this out, and then we're going to get out of here for the two-minute warning. Jorge Mazdaval. All right. Everybody knows that name. He, he's been it. He, if you followed UFC, he's been a big name in UFC. So he was not scheduled to fight this Saturday. Right. Which is the first fight on Fight Island, by the way, in Dubai. So he gets a call from Dana White on, I think it was Thursday, mm-hmm. because uh, I'm trying to remember the guy, how you pronounce the guy's name. Gilbert Burns, Ka- right? Ka- no, well, Kamara, Kamaru Usman. Oh, okay. Usman. Was a guy that Gilbert Burns was supposed to fight. Right. Burns drops out because of illness. There's questions still of whether he actually has coronavirus, and that's why he had he was forced to drop out. Jorge Bonsdaval takes this fight on one week's notice. Yeah. Crazy part about this: this has been a dream fight for a lot of UFC fans, including myself. These guys have chirped at each other. They were. This was supposed to be this fight. It was always supposed to happen this way. But uh, Mazdaval wasn't getting the money that he wanted for the fight, so he turned it down, and that's how yeah. Gilbert Burns got involved. Well, then the UFC got backed into a corner and said, "Shit, we got a guy with an illness. We got to pay him. We got to pay him something." Yeah. So they paid him, and I'm more excited about this fight. So. Mazdaval, or Uz, let's start with Usman. Usman's eleven and zero in the UFC. About to be eleven and one in the. In, this is in the welterweight belt division, right? Mm-hmm. So the only thing that goes against that is exactly what you said. Mazdaval is three and one versus fighters that are undefeated. Yeah, that's why. I, listen, Mazdaval, he's a nasty fighter. Like he he comes out the gate a hundred mile an hour. I remember he knocked out some dude. He knocked the one guy out with a knee in the first round in it, like 10 seconds. It wasn't even 10. It was like five seconds. Yeah. He knocked him out so quick, man. I didn't even know what hit him. Uh, Masvidal is one of those guys. He he goes big or goes home. And I just but, don't think that bodes well for Usman. I think Usman goes down. But the only thing with Usman is Usman is a similar style fighter, except he has more endurance. Mazdaval, because of that, he is a go big yeah, go Yeah, he's got to knock him out early. He's got to knock him out early or he's in trouble because Usman can knock him out in the later rounds or or win the points in the later rounds. Right. So th- this really, this is a true fight where, yes, it's short notice, but I don't know that the short notice plays a huge role in this fight. I don't think it does. Because both of these guys have something one up on the other that if it go, it, it literally is going to be a flip of the coin. Does the fight go long and go the distance? If it does, it's going to go in the face in the favor of Usman, or does Mazdaval come out and he's able to somehow go against Usman and have Usman drop his defense somewhere because Usman's prepared for Burns and not prepared for Mazdaval or yeah Mazdaval I don't know, but this is going to be one hell of a fight. Mazdaval in the second round knocks him out. Usman in the fo- in the fourth. And now it's time for the two-minute warning. All right, Scott, it's time for the two-minute warning. All righty, guys. So here is your first question. Don't don't be touching your mic. It's uh, no, it's not him. I think it's James. Oh, no, it. I think it is me. 
It's always my fault. <laughs> anyway, so the NHL is finalizing plans for a 2014 tournament to be held in Toronto and Emerton, Canada. Wow, I got to go all the way up there to see a, a hockey game live. Uh, <laughs> that would end with the finals in October. Does this make sense considering normally the regular season starts September and October? Uh, to me, no, I'm not sure that this makes full sense. Uh, I, you start the season in September, October. Yeah, you're going to end last season. At this point, just call it null and void. Last season is what it is. I get guys want incentives. You're affecting deals. Give them a percentage of the deal. Whatever. You don't need to be taking these guys and basically asking them to play an extended season because if you're going to turn around and have next season, it's either that or you get rid of it. I like the idea. Listen, the whole world could use a little bit of sports in their life, and, and, and NHL is in a position where they've done really good as far as building their brand. And this is a way to continue to do that, execute while other sports are still trying to figure it out. Even if it is just a tournament, it's a way to kind of generate some buzz around the sport, get some fans that haven't been interested in the sport before now involved because there's just nothing else to watch. All right. After taking heat for putting on more than 40 pounds since leaving college in 2015, Bison, I'm not even going to attempt Bryson to say Bryson DeChambeau. Thank you. Put on an additional 20 pounds during the quarantine. Does this extra weight deserve criticism? Uh, look, here's the deal. Bryson DeChambeau is, is the analytical golfer. We talked about him way back when, when they instituted last year, the rule of keeping the pin in and you keep the flag in. Yeah. And he took criticism for that. This guy's analytical. He put on weight and what happens? He wins a tournament. What do you expect from this guy? Ask John Daly how the weights worked out for him throughout his career, right? I mean, I listen, I don't, I don't it's golf. You know, I get it that like we should all be striving to be in better shape. Lord knows I could be in better shape. But I think this doesn't do anything for him in the negative. This guy's one of the best drivers in, in, in the PGA, and all this does is add a little bit more power behind his shot. Uh, I, I really like this guy. This is a guy, he's got now has six top ten finishes in a row. So the weight doesn't seem to be holding him down, and then he's driving the ball over 340 yards on average. Crazy. Yeah. Wrong, buddy. <laughs> All right, Scott, sign us out, man. All right, guys, we appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week. Stay tuned for the After Hours segment. We'll get some of your comments out there. I see a few, the one that we probably need to address. Uh, so make sure you obviously check us out on our website www.birdlandbs.com while you're there check out all of our different uh pages you have the page where it's the shell and tell podcast you have our podcast you have the gear page you can learn about each of us and obviously also contact each of us while you're there as well bigplay.com the big play twitter page download the big play app at birdlandsports.com you can find us all on those as well follow us on all of our social media pages at birdlandbs is how you find us facebook youtube instagram we're on all those. Make sure you also follow, like, and subscribe while you're there on Twitter specifically at Burnley and BS, at Fred BLBS, at Scott BLBS, at bartender underscore Blake. Make sure you, like I said, like, follow, subscribe while you're there. If you want your opinion, your topic heard on the show, use the hashtag that's BLBS. As always, audio version of the podcast you can find on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can find us. Go listen to us a second time, even if you're listening to us now. Thanks just for tuning in as always. We'll see you guys next Tuesday night, 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, we're all over the place. Come join us. We love to have fun. We love to sit here and drink. Get your brew of the week. For Fred, Brian, myself, James, we'll see you guys next week. See ya.